If you didn't know it until now, you are the Common Sense Nation. And this is Radio Free Almond. Good morning, you bunch of drunks. So how long or how often yesterday did people like just said any minute now that one how, how often during the day were you like any minute now my ship is coming in that one yeah how many times a day two three is that how many times a day you did it? Yeah, that's, that's me. That's my count. I blacked out yesterday for like a couple hours. Like a real blackout? Or? No, just... Yeah, probably real. I don't know. I woke up on the couch, so... I'm not sure that's where I that's felt that. a real blackout, man. Yeah, I know. I'm, yeah. Gotta get yourself some... Some real liquor for that blackout. Any minute now, my ship is coming in. That one. How many times a day do you think people do that? Phil Valencia, um, otherwise known as Nine Killer. How six, many times? Six times. Six times. Yeah. Yeah. Stud. Stud. Yeah. I was all over the map yesterday with that one. Definitely. Yeah. How about, <laughs> dude? I'm sorry, but I, I still love this commercial. I mean, I just do. I still find it to be funny and one of the best commercials or one of the best ad campaigns ever. And Hello? Hey, who? What's up? None, B. Just watching the game, having a bud. What's up with you? Nothing. Watching game, having a butt. True. True. What's up? What's up? 
Yo, who's that? Yo, yo, pick up the phone. Hello? Who's that? What? <laughs> yo, where's Dookie? Dude, yo, Dookie. Yo. What's that? What's that? <laughs> Hold on. I'm sorry, man. Hello? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what's up b watching the game having a bud oh man True. that i think they'll just bring that back i mean yeah. i don't know why people don't want to bring stuff back but they ought to bring that one back dude that is a classic of all what's that? <laughs> true true what made you think of that? I, I don't know, man. man. I was, that's, that's one of the things. I don't know. That's you I, right there. I just heard somebody said, what's up, or whatever. And yep. I, I heard somebody say, what's up? And I'm like, what's up? Next thing you know, you're crying, I mean, watching you know. it, laughing. Right. Yeah. They had, a, uh, they had a grandma version of that. Hello? Yo, what's up? Nothing, B. Just watching the game, having a bad. You see, I don't really like grandmas having and stuff. Having a bad. It's like kind of like it's like the grandma's dancing thing. It's like okay, I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, enough of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not. Now, give me. I, I need the black dudes. I don't right. need some grandmas. Here you want sushi and wasabi. <laughs> wasabi. <laughs> yeah, wasabi. 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 Come on, man. Yeah. That was back in the day, man, when when these guys and that was back when uh A B had an agency and they had people coming up with ideas and yeah, that was a good campaign like right that. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean they had they had the business going on. Those were yep. the people right there. Yeah. All right. So hey, don't forget. Do you notice I had the books out here? Uh, Pussification, Giles, raising righteous and rowdy girls, as well as rules for radical Christians. It's all up on the front of the old uh, desk here, whatever you want to call this thing. And those are the books that Doug John. I don't think he has enough of them either. Right, because there are only three. Right, just so you know, these are only these are the only three books he's signing. So, oh well, I, first it. come. I mean, I have right. them right here in front mm-hmm. of me. Those are only only three books, so it's going to be a madhouse mob. Playing it safe, you don't want that overstock. No, you don't want to take home Carry books it back to the car. What's the that? plane, mm-hmm. especially in Southwest, they charge you extra for the weight. Oh. So, no, they've sent me a, a bunch of books, uh, boxes of books, and you're going to be able to. Uh, get by the books, and Doug will sign them for you right then and there. And that's going to be tomorrow, 5.30 to 8, at the Missouri Athletic Club West out on DePere Road. And that's Friday. And then also the books will be available, if there are any left, at the Discovery Design parking lot. And, of course, this is the Discovery Design studio. It just so happens that Rick Pogue, who is the master of Discovery Design, is going to be here in the studio with us to talk to us a little bit about stuff. And as you know, Rick is uh, also, he and Jerry, his dad, run Arrowhead Building Supply. Uh, but uh, Discovery Design is where we're at right now. And tomorrow, uh, Saturday, weather's supposed to be nice. Phil was just filling me in on the weather for the weather, traffic and weather together from Phil Valencia, the nine killer. Uh, 94 degrees and partly sunny. 
Partly sunny, 94 degrees today. Yeah, and so that, or I'm sorry, Saturday. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be at the Discovery Design Center right there off of uh, the Service Road, St. Peter's. We've got everything up there on the Facebook page for you to check out, and you can uh, see what's up. And we've got, what's up? What's up? You see what's up? True. You can do the, I'm, do people, do you think people think that's funny or not? Do you think that's that, old? All my friends thought it was hilarious because we actually do that. We did that. But you're you, doing you know. past tense. I'm talking about like now. Do you, you think like um, it's old or you just. No, I think it's as funny as you just okay, found me, it to be. Me too. I really do. That's, me too. They should actually bring it back. <laughs> they I mean, should definitely bring it back. they don't own it anymore because they sold their company. No, they could. I mean, they could bring all that. They could, they could, they could bring back McDonald's is your kind of place. Yeah. You know? That was bad. McDonald's is your kind of place. Right. And that was that was back in the day where we thought it was funny as eight yep. year olds yep. to sing McDonald's is your kind of place. They serve you rattlesnakes. <laughs> oh my oh, we, god! Oh, on the we, ground, oh, on we'd the ground. be rolling. Right. They'd be like mm-hmm. going crazy. But they could do that again. Yep. They could do the they could do the, the two all beef patties thing right. too. You make it do what all about Spuds McKenzie? Bring that guy. Yeah. Spuds McKenzie. Right. Yeah. I wonder if Spuds McKenzie ever like died or anything. Probably. Probably. It's did been die. about twenty five years. So. <laughs> Do dogs He'd die be moving slow. He'd be moving slow, right? Especially those kind of mm-hmm. dogs. Yeah, he has a circle on his eye like the old, uh, the old little rascals dog, right? Yeah. Or whatever that was. Yeah. yeah. I always see if those dogs are old at all. I always see them like they all, all patchy ass fur and everything yeah, else. Pretty nasty. Looking all yeah, ghetto, stinky, ashy. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Normally. All right. So then we have the uh, Naputi Wellness Pediatric uh, Extravaganza Two out there, and that's going to have the bounce house and the face painting and the. Balloon arts, and then we're gonna have a uh, crafting beer. It's weird. I've been kind of handling that side of it, and so uh, I realized that first of all, I asked Rick, or we, we, I gotta get a trough to put the beer in. I have to go to a carnival supply store at some point. This is what it's like to listen, folks. I'm happily doing this. This is what it's like to kind of start your own business. Mm-hmm. You, you gotta do stuff like this, and and it's good for you. It's good for you to to have to go to a carnival supply place when you're the name on the show and get the wristbands and not have somebody else do it. It's good for you to do it. Okay. It's good 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 for you to do it. It's like okay. when we set up here, although you did most of the work this morning, but generally we come in here, we set up, we break down, and I like the I like I'd rather have it that way than just have five people doing it for me. Now I would prefer to have it set up all the time. You know what I'm saying but about that. But what I'm saying is it's good It's good for you to kind of get in there and get your hands dirty. So, And that's actually getting wristbands isn't getting your hands dirty because I know you guys in the military know. <laughs> By the way, last night I played that Admiral's speech for Aiden. And oh, man. Yeah, we were talking about that sat all in the day car. It. it. was amazing. Man, it was. And you know, mm. hearing it again, it just is. I felt like. I felt like playing it again this morning because yeah. I. But but again, we put it up on the on the web for you. Yep. But man, is that is that cool to listen to? That that is just a fantastic speech, and you are so inspired after you hear it, and it just is. Because at the same time that it, they, they talk about how hard a slog it is, there was something really so uplifting about the whole description of the of the training and everything else, it made you, although you know you could never last, but it made you kind of want to become a SEAL. But more importantly, every single thing he talked about had so many applications to normal life that it just was, 
was amazing. I, I encourage you, if you haven't seen it already, it's the Admiral McWhorton uh, commencement address to the University of, of Texas, Austin, uh, 2014. And I said it around all day yesterday. I said it to my older kids yesterday. <laughs> uh, and Ethan, he, he's an Army reservist. He, he, he knows a little bit about what this, this guy was talking about. Uh, but still, in in your daily life, you kind of forget about all that. You forget about making sure that you uh, work your butt off and 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 get to it. And I was just so impressed by it. And those students must that that was really a privilege to be sitting in that uh, it, right there. All right. So again, I'll finish up with the with the thing happening Saturday. So we've got the we've got the crafting beer, we've got the cold beer. You got to get a wristband to get it. It's just all legal stuff. And then we have uh, the car show, and we have well, it's kind of a car show. It's Moto Exotic. You're bringing up the old Batmobile. We're going to have that. The kids are going to love that, and even older kids are going to love that, like as in us. And I think I've convinced Dave Sinclair to let me sit the Rubicon out there too. Just to look at, you know, and see yeah. 2017 Rubicon. I did notice, by the way, because I, I got my car fixed. Well, I'll talk about this later, but it, remind me to. I will. You, I you, will. If you don't mind. So I, I will. I can, and I hope that's out there because it's gorgeous to look at. Yeah, I'll just bring it out there so people can see what. I'm going to bring uh, my car as well. The so. Jeep experience. Almost. Is that the Mercury Sable you got out there? The uh, 85 I'm going to bring the Pinto, the oh, 76 okay. Pinto with <laughs> prior pre recall uh, with a blower. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Doug's going to be out there with all the books, and we're going to have uh, Phil spinning the records and some music. And I think we've decided that we were going to also do the maybe a little, I don't know. You, it kind of gets out of control when you do the karaoke thing, but we'll see. I think the governor might stop by, the new governor. Yep. And I think that uh, Tony Minetti's going to be there. I know Austin's going to be there. Yep. And so we'll have some folks stopping it's gonna by. It's going to be quite a few people there. It's going to be uh, fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be a ton of fun, and I hope to see you guys out there. And, of course, at the book signing as well uh, at the Missouri Athletic Club. I guess the latest, freshest news, the, the, uh, the smooth, refreshing drink coming to you your way this morning is what's happening in California, where, watch out, Democrats. You have Gavin Newsom, who is the former San Francisco mayor, big-time big Sanctuary City fan and left winger in California mm-hmm. is just a crap hole of a place governmentally. I love California. I have to tell you, I was up there in the fall, went to a wedding in a place called Ojai, California. Have you ever been there? Never even north, heard of it. North of Los Angeles, Malibu. Okay. That whole area out there really is oh, yeah. great. I it's, love Malibu and Manhattan Beach and yeah. uh, Santa Monica. It's kind of it, it's you know that there's a, also a, a beach called the Dan Blocker Beach. That I've never heard of. Named after the guy from Bonanza. I'm not kidding you. There are some people. I, I drove by it back and forth when I was over there. And, and I was like, I know. I watched Bonanza as a kid, and I know that Dan Blocker was in Bonanza, dudes. Let's see which guy And so, yeah, he was, he, was the, he was Hoss, I think. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Dan Blocker was Hoss. Okay. And so a bunch of his friends, a couple of his, Lauren Green or some, some of his friends bought that land. I can't, was it Michael Landon or somebody wow. bought that land there and named the beach after him? So, there's, so, so if you're going along, is it one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you're going along one up there, the Pacific Coast Highway. It must be up by Malibu then. If it it's is. It's right near girls. Malibu. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And, uh, and if, if, if you look at it, you'll see the sign that says uh, Dan Blocker Beach. And that's the beach named after Hoss, y'all. 
Yeah, it's nice. Dan so, Block, it's, it's nice. a public beach. Mm-hmm. In fact, we hung out there, and, and the water's, well, in November, I think the, the water all the time in California up the coast is cold, but because it's the Pacific, but that was, mm-hmm. it was pretty cold. You couldn't even hardly go in there except the surfers were there. But yeah, Dan Blocker Beach, public beach there. and It just opened to the public in 2014. It sat, yeah. it sat idle for 35 years. Nobody even used it. Yeah, they named it after Haas. So cool. So that whole area up there, Ojai and, and mm-hmm. Malibu and Los Angeles. And Los Angeles is kind of, uh, it, it's stuck like in 1969, Basically, nineteen sixty nine, seventy, like every, even the even the highway signs and mm-hmm. everything about it. But mm-hmm. I like that. I like that era. I like, and so everything's kind of old but cool. And, and, yeah. and of course, because you're right next to the beach, everything is like well preserved, mm-hmm. and you know, the air is perfect. And Ojai is great, just above Los Angeles, where you have uh, mountains, cactus, ocean, horses, ranches. You know, yep. palm trees. Yep. It's like the craziest kind of place. But it, that's one of the places that where also I was up there at a wedding. The barn where they had the wedding burned down during those wildfires. Anyway. Oh. California's great. And then you have certain parts of it that are besieged by illegal immigrants. I know that for a time there in California... People have been complaining about illegal immigrants for three decades up there Mm -hmm. or more. Mm -hmm. And it's been a huge problem up there. And that became a lightning rod issue in this particular race where you had Gavin Newsom, who's a big sanctuary city guy. He's now on the November general election ballot. And he's going to face off with John Cox. And, of course, the... San Francisco Chronicle calls him a little-known Republican businessman. But keep in mind, there have been a lot of individuals before him who have done well as Republicans in California. Ronald Reagan, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And you're thinking, well, yeah, but they were movie stars. That is true. Absolutely, they had their name recognition going for them. But at this point, people are so upset there in California about... Sanctuary cities, illegal immigrants, the regulatory environment out there where mm-hmm. even cars have warning labels on them. Yep. People are sick of it there. Taxes, yep. it's crazy. It's the, there's a reason why they have, well, some people boast that it is it's the Republic of California. You know, they have a little T-shirt to say the Republic of California. I so. didn't know that he was running again and he was trying to, he was like the, the poster boy for sanctuary cities originally. He's the first person I ever Newsom when I when he first kind of surfaced as the mayor of San Francisco and uh, I I I think maybe the first time I ever heard the term sanctuary cities was in regards to him and yeah. his you know and then uh, but downtown L A man is uh, in San Francisco too and people oh. that I know that are there they wouldn't even go down there they they can't even walk the sidewalks and it's uh, it's pretty bad man it's pretty scary the downtown L A area is yeah. Is nowhere to go for tourists or or locals. It's just really bad. And uh, <clears throat> I thought they were exaggerating people that I talked to, but apparently it's actually really kind of scary there now. You know, uh, nothing really counts you out when it comes to your credibility than when you are a regular, average, everyday American citizen and you support sanctuary cities. There's nothing that makes you 
more foolish in my mind than a support of a sanctuary city, which, first of all, it's not only morally wrong from a number of standpoints. And, And when I say morally wrong, when you have a sanctuary city, what you're doing is you're purposely creating an environment where you have people who live in a subculture where their only tie to the United States is maybe a paycheck, but nothing else. You would create an environment just from a humanitarian standpoint, which is why it's so amazing to me that liberals support sanctuary cities because there's nothing crueler and more inhumane than purposely okaying a life of underclass status for another human being. And in many cases, I could make the argument that the push for legal immigration is indeed more humane than those who support just simply people coming over and living in the undercroft of a church. It doesn't make any sense morally. It certainly is not humane. Most of these people don't even call the police half the time if something happens to them because they are afraid of being exposed. They're abused by employers. There have been recent stories about how in Seattle and other places, the actual illegal immigrant population is being abused as a working class. Because who's going to who's going to report their employer or whatever else when the police will come and ask you whether you're a citizen or not? Right. And yeah. I guess the answer would be, well, the police shouldn't ask them if they're a citizen. It's like, oh, shush. The, the fact of the matter is you're creating a subculture of human beings and supporting illegal immigration and also using the apparatus of a government and taxpayer dollars is even more inhumane. Yeah. yeah there's, no, there's no good side to it. There's no, it's like a caste system almost of bringing in people to just keep in their place, get them to the voter, you know, get them into your political party. Obviously, that's really the goal, I guess. That's what they've always said. I don't. But uh, well, and you're not uh, only it's not only caste system too. Mm-hmm. If you go to, if you know who's that dude from uh, from Telemundo, the the oh, I haven't seen him in a long time. Um, yeah, I know <laughs> he's uh, here. We go again. Uh huh. But anyway, he's he is a fairly typical Mexican, mm-hmm. and when I say that, I mean he is a. Generally, the Mexican population up there, you're not getting the blue-eyed, fair-skinned Mexicans teeming across the border. This country is unloading its own certain level of its own caste system that it has there. In fact, they have a pretty heavy-duty caste system in Mexico. If you've ever been working at the – or going to – the resorts down in Mexico, just in Tijuana, I know, yeah, Tijuana, I or mm-hmm. I, you know, I was in Cancun a long time ago, which now is becoming kind of a uh, little murderous place. I thought mm-hmm. for sure the cartels would leave the resorts places alone, but apparently Cancun is kind of the first to kind of drop off that list. But if you go there, all the hired help, all the hotel help, everybody else—they're all uh, from the from the Indian population. They're all they're all basically Incas. Exactly, uh, yep. and, and and those are the kinds of people that they and those you don't have coming across the border either because they're all employed in the service industry in Mexico, 
And so basically what Mexico is doing is just simply sending all of its poorest, uh, most criminal people over to the border. President Trump was right when he talked about how there are a lot of rapists and criminals coming over here as illegal immigrants. I'm not saying every Mexican immigrant is a rapist or a criminal. You know what I'm doing here. But but the reality is many of them are the least educated, so to speak. I don't like the term educated, but you know what I mean. They're, they're people who don't have not had much of a future in Mexico. They're sent over here. Right. And they're allowed to go from one, you know, from the south to the north without they don't get stopped or, you know, they could detain all these people in Mexico prior to getting to the border here. You know, yeah. But, but they don't absolutely. really. No. It's not exactly like Castro dumping on us from Cuba back in the, the, out of the prisons. But, yeah. But it's about as close as yeah. that. It's um, and I know President Trump is not exaggerating or he, he's speaking the way he speaks and he's saying it in that way but but if you live if you know anybody that lives down there near the border and in in certain places it's it's scary yeah man really scary uh very undesirable yeah and 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 so those are the people and then they come over here and so they they be just become worker bees essentially they're illegal immigrants don't come over here and become ceos Mm -hmm. because you can't because you're living it, truly in the shadows. I mean, that's that's exactly what's happening. So once again, the liberal view of helping people really is in, the, in a way hurting them. And example after example of the left-wing theology basically being more damaging to the human condition than it is improving the human condition, that's one example. I All I have to do is talk to you about desegregation and tell you, that that's another liberal wet dream that went awry right. and hurt the people least able to deal with it. Mm-hmm. It does energy policies that the left wing promote hurt the poorest of the poor because their energy prices go up. Mm-hmm. And whereas a lot of people who, for instance, listen to Radio Free Almond, those of you out there, you can afford a twenty dollar a month uptick maybe in your in your utility bills. But imagine being a person who that's the sum total of their grocery bill in a week, and you understand that that's a problem. So when Obama was like, yeah, energy bills necessarily skyrocket. It's like, yeah, thanks a lot, dude, because you're hurting the people who probably voted for you thinking that you were going to give them everything. It was going to be like Christmas for you, and suddenly you have your own president screwing you with his energy policies just to appease all of his left wing east coast coal haters coal yeah, haters yeah. right but i mean but that but that's what happens desegregation is one and of course it's easy what happens when white people talk about the scourge of desegregation they're automatically called racist but the reality is desegregation was a horrible thing that the white liberals did to the black population and St. Louis was a great example of that and, and remains so. And if you don't believe me, ask other some other black politicians out there who actually have had the guts to say that desegregation was and, horrible and for the black community. taking their lumps for it. You know? Indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dwight Billingsley is one. Freeman Bosley Jr. Yep. is another who was mayor of St. Louis. And they'll tell you what desegregation did to the city. And... Basically, what desegregation did to the city is it ghettoized the entirety of North St. Louis, destroyed 
community schools. But boy, do white liberals feel good about it because they felt like, hey, what a, what a great idea it would be. How, how great would it be to make us feel so good? Because the view with desegregation, essentially, I understand that people didn't want a certain population to be ignored. So when a population is segregated, in some cases, and historically sometimes, that segregated population is then set aside and forgotten. So I understand the, the part of the mindset there. But what the liberal white people thought was a great idea in the 60s, or I mean early 70s, mm-hmm. they thought, I know what's good for a black kid. Be with white people. That'll, that'll change their lives if they just hang out with some white kids. That in itself is this soft bigotry of low expectations that Bush talked about. That in itself is a laughable kind of theology to have that the real – the real answer for black people is just to be around more white people. Yeah. And, and that was, that was the, the, the wrong attitude to take. So on top of that, they not only thought that, they also said, I know what we'll do. We'll wake the black kid up at 4.30 in the morning, and they could hang out at a bus station, wait for a bus to pick them up for the 45-minute ride out to their white dreamland. And that'll solve everything. And so we'll just push a bunch of black kids into a white school, and that'll be the sum total of our job, and rub your hands together and go on to your wine and cheese party and tell everybody how amazing you were by mixing the races and everything else. But what you did on a couple of levels is, you, you first of all, well, you're waking black kids up to sit at a bus stop at 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning, they're leaving their neighborhood, and they're then being bussed back. A lot of them, by the way, if you haven't checked already, a lot of them are being cabbed. Like, did you know that the, the school district spends a lot of money cabbing kids? I mean, I'm talking about taxi cabbing kids back and forth. If you looked at the school district's uh, taxi cab bill, you would be shocked at the amount of money spent taxicabbing kids mm. back and forth who might be in athletics or who have after-school activities or who have special... I did not know this. Oh, hell yeah. Man, that's... Wow. It's, it, it, it's, it's just... It's unforgivable what the white liberals did to the city of St. Louis and the, and the school system. So then you had a situation where you had no investment in your neighborhood. So what happened to the schools? when nobody's really going to the schools, except for the people who, I guess, are stuck there or whatever. Well, the schools ultimately become abandoned or the quality of education dips because there's nobody there anymore. And on top of that, it's, it's horrible for the kids who are shipped out to the West County areas because you have parents who... There's, it's hard enough as a parent in a, in a, when you have a schedule that you have to even make it to a PTO meeting or to even a parent-teacher conference or maybe even to a game, an athletic game that, that your kid is in. People even who live in the school district sometimes have a hard time because of their schedules and other kids and other duties going to these events. So at that point then, you've also then cut off 
parental involvement in the child's education because a lot of these guys, these folks, who are working hard as it, as it is, and part of the reason why you're being bussed is because you're living in the inner city, and part of the reason why you're living in the inner city is because you're working your ass off, you're not making a whole lot of money, you might not even have a job. Oftentimes, you don't even have a car. Oh. And so you're, you're not going to get a... reliable car, that's for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you're not even going to have a parent who... Who will, you're not going to have a parent who's going to take a bus or a cab to a, ta- to a PTO meeting. So at that point, then, you've, you've cut off the parental involvement in the child's education. On top of that, then, you have still a subculture of black students from the city going to a suburban school. Oftentimes, the mingling just doesn't happen. It's, it's, it's natural for people to divide themselves and sit among people they're familiar with. That's not racism. Mm-mm. That's just you wanting to be around people like you. It's not a. That's not unusual, odd, terrible, horrible, whatever. It's expected, I think. In, in, in sociological, you know, that's basically what we do. Everybody, exactly. Everybody does that. Mm-hmm. They do. And 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 we like when I was at U City, Phil. We had it was eighty percent black, twenty percent white, or maybe seventy five, twenty five, whatever. And we, we had a, our hallway. There wasn't a black person in our hallway. There wasn't a black person at our lunch table. It, it, you just it was divided like that. yourself. It yeah, was yeah. Like that. But that, that wasn't a bad thing. We had black friends, and we you know we co mm-hmm. commingled. But when it came time to settle in, you just gravitated towards people who were your own race. It, it that's just that's not terrible. That's what happened. You can't force something like that. No. And and on top of that, then then you had situations where. You've taken kids out of the inner city, and automatically they are basically alien. It's the same thing you're doing with by, by allowing illegal immigrants. You're creating an alien population. Whether you, whether you like it or not, a black kid from the inner city is not going to, especially an adolescent, is not going to automatically assimilate to the white culture or that or that or that suburban culture they're just not going to do it so then what happens is you have a a sense of alienation you have a sense that you don't belong there because you really don't because you've been bought you've been you've been shipped in from you know 15 miles away in the inner city and you've been dropped off on a bus by the time the, the first bell rings, you've been up three and a half hours. Gosh, can you imagine what it would I mean, be like as a young, just a kid yeah. like that? That's, that, what that would be like. Would be. Right. Then, then you become a troublemaker, or then something happens where you, you become problematic, or, or you become resentful, or you automatically feel like, you know what, you really don't belong there. And then, and then unfortunately, there are kids who will treat you like you don't belong right. there. And they'll affirm the stereotypes right. what we... Yeah. Yes, and so you'll you'll create more anger among the black population, and then what you do is, if the black population that is bust in, if there's any amount of trouble, then you're going to have the white kids resenting you. Yeah. And so the minute there becomes problems or some situation in school, then the white kids start to hate you. Yeah. And so the first exposure of a white suburban kid is to a a black kid parachuted into their hallways. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not a way to to create peace and harmony among the races. The best place to do that is to encourage uh, in 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 
housing and and encourage bigger stakes in the economy so that you have blacks and whites all able to afford the same kind of house. Yep. And that's really what it's all about. That's why President Trump's economic policies, to me, are better for race relations, everything else, than anything a liberal can do artificially with turning that knob or putting this bus in there or whatever. Employment is a big part of it, having jobs right. for mom and dad to work, and then they can step up to the plate a little bit stronger. But uh, it's cra- this happened in New City when my kids were in grade school. What you're talking about happened at uh, the grade school my kids went to in New City, and uh, they started bringing kids in from further away, and um, <clears throat> and it it, uh, it definitely had a, uh, a net negative effect on, on what was going on at the school there. Um, it, they brought kids in that were... Uh, Problem kids from other schools, basically kids that wouldn't get along well, and then um, they would disrupt the classes that my kids were in, and it was an issue, and it didn't work out there too well. There, it was pretty, uh, pretty bad for a minute. When I was in U City, that was when it was an economically even community, meaning I was going to school with black kids whose families made as much money as mine did, maybe sometimes even more. It was a middle class community where the black kids, their dads worked at the Carter carburetor plant or uh, the Camaro plant or at, you know, in manufacturing, whatever. Uh, and and uh, other kids, white kids' parents did too. But I'm, what I'm saying is that was back when you had a booming uh, economy uh, or at least you had manufacturing still around. So everybody kind of lived basically the same way. So we didn't have any... So even uh, blacks and whites, the the best thing for relations then was we all kind of were economically similar. We all were from kind of the same kind of household, whatever. And in fact, my parents were divorced. I, I, didn't, I didn't even really... The reason... That's one of the reasons why I don't, I don't have so-called white guilt... Because I didn't grow up with it, and, and so that's why I, I don't feel like I, I don't have to call you. Af- I don't have to call people African American right. just to aggrandize myself to whatever god there is out there who mm-hmm. wants me to use particular language. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, back when my day, you were black, you were black or white. You weren't African American or this or that. And and in fact, the black people I knew, their parents were very successful. My I was like I was the only white kid on my baseball team uh, in U City, and I was. It didn't help that I wasn't very good. So I'm sorry, white people. Uh, I was not bad a very boy, good example of boy. white right. athleticism. What did you, you play? What position did you play? Oh, and of course, in many ways, because I was the only white kid on the team, the coach, <clears throat> Mr. Newsom, who was a, who was a great guy, uh, played me a lot. Mm-hmm. Meaning, meaning. He didn't want the white kid on the bench, you know what I mean? So I actually benefited from I that was white privilege right there. I benefited from being a minority. I was I was an affirmative action baseball kid. So so of course he would he would put me out at at shortstop. I'm like, "Thanks a lot." Because I can pick up a ball, but I couldn't throw or the crap accurately or at least as well as some of the other guys. So that was my worst nightmare was being shortstop where I would stand out there hoping and praying that the ball wouldn't come to me. I was like the opposite of, you know, most Ozzie. athletes. I was like, right. please don't have the ball right. come to me because I know I'm going to throw it over the first baseman's head. And so invariably that's what happened. 
but 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 I will tell you, and that was also back in the day when parents didn't go to every single game or whatever. And and also since my dad wasn't around at that time, and of course I'm not complaining. I had a wonderful childhood and loved my father. And and so there was nothing. I'm not you know talking about how right. you know l- abandoned I was or you know whatever. Come on, yeah. you know we just lived a normal life and you know you you work you started working when you were 12 because your parents weren't going to give you a dime. And so if you wanted a McDonald's hamburger to play pinball, you better have your own money because mm-hmm. your parent. Can I have five dollars? <laughs> like five dollars. <laughs> Right. So you wouldn't even you wouldn't dare even if you had to buy baseball cards, you you better figure out something lemonade stand or whatever to have mm-hmm. have the money. So, but still the the but but Mr. Newsom to make sure I got to the games and sometimes even to practice, he would come by and pick me up. That that's that's the black that's the black man I knew was right. a guy who was a old school middle class working class black dude yeah. who uh Made sure I got to the games because he came and picked my ass up to make me there. So, so I I didn't grow up looking at black people as being lower than me or in a different situation than me. And in fact, the blacks in my life were hugely positive influences on me, and uh, like like Coach Newsom. And so I just didn't grow up wandering around thinking I had to invent new rules and talk a certain way or anything, which is which might kind of backfire sometimes, but that's just the way I grew up. No, it's cool, man. You got a really interesting, uh, I, I guess the people that went to school with you, that 25% or whatever, probably would say similar things. Because Absolutely. It, you know, and they can hang. We, luckily, um, my generation here in St. Louis, and I want to get into this sometime heavily, um, either on another, you know, whatever, when we get expanded a little bit, but I've always wanted to talk about a place called Animal House. I don't know if you knew about it. It was off of 367, off 270 for a couple of years in an old hotel off Chambers Road. And they turned it into a, a juice bar basically for kids. And uh, <clears throat> it was just an amazing thing. And it, it, it failed eventually. But for a while there, big bands were playing there. Uh, they had an upstairs and a downstairs. Downstairs was white. Blacks were upstairs. It was That's how it was. But it was so cool because we would just go, everybody would just mix and go, upstairs they're playing Cool in the Gang, downstairs they're playing Susie and the Banshees. You know, it was like that. <laughs> uh-huh. But we would always wander upstairs and walk through, and they'd be, you know, dancing. I mean, they knew how to dance up there. So we'd go up there to learn, you know, and hang out with, uh, you know, all the girls up there. And we just had this, it was the last time I ever felt like it didn't matter what color we were. Right. It was before I realized division was upon us and politics were going to do things to us. And we had so much fun. I was, I went, I didn't go to the prom with the girl that asked me, but I was asked to a prom by a black girl upstairs. I really regret in hindsight, not going, but I had a girlfriend, so I couldn't, uh, who I married, but, uh, you know, so it, but it was, uh, it was unbelievable history. If, if there's people out there that remember this place, and I know there are some, I mean, we were all, you know, punk rock kind of guys, and we were doing. We were our, we were yeah. our own you and thing I are downstairs. You were, right. back. In, you had that in in that area, like North yeah. County. Yeah, and then we had the one at Hanley and around Big Ben there, where there was like it, it was also a place to go that was not alcohol, right. and you'd go there and they had music and that kind of stuff. I don't know how they survived. Blacks and whites went yes. there. Yes, uh huh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and so really, in the end, it, the the 
white liberal guilt has destroyed this country. Absolutely. And, and that's been a huge problem. And, and, and usually the, the, most, the, the most egregious offenders are white people who grew up never around black people. Absolutely. The sheltered white liberal has destroyed this nation. Yep. I'm just telling you. Well, I don't think, you know. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm, I'm standing you are by that. that. Absolutely. It's true. It's it, true, it, there's Jamie. nothing it's worse true. than a sheltered it's white true. liberal mm-hmm. guiltist out there. Yep. And there's nothing cooler than just hanging out in a QT and having us put, you know, putting your soda in your cup and uh, some black guys next to you just start making conversations and start talking. It's just so cool. It's just so cool being people. Once in a while, it happens. The day after the election, when President Trump was elected, the day after, the strangest thing happened to me. I go into QT every day. I put in my soda. There's a black guy next to me. He's getting ready for work. You know, he's got his, you know, work clothes on. He looks at me and he says, <laughs> he looks at me and he says, do you think he'll make America great again? That's the first thing somebody said to me the day after the election was a black guy looks at me and says, do you think he'll make America great again? And I said, I hope so. I didn't really know at the time. We were all still in shock. It was literally the next morning. Liberals were like melting down all over the country, you know. Uh, but that's the first thing that my first experience is, is it was a black person saying to me, do you think he'll make America great again? And I wanted to get into it with him. You know, I wanted to I wish we'd had somebody like that in but like because he was stuck in the moment of, wow, the Obama era is over. And here we go. What do you think the chances are? But it was just so normal and real to have a conversation for five seconds with a black guy. I want to ask a question like that. I mean, (laughs) Henry Davis is is a great example where he was a Trump supporter but basically called a racist because he was kind of off the reservation. But people are coming around to that, especially as we see black unemployment at an all-time low, historically all-time low. And one more final thing. I ran for class president with a black girl, uh, and we were – we were a co-ticket. We lost, but we were that that was perfectly really normal cool, back in those days, you know. Cool. And uh, Phyllis, we we used to we had a uh, this is stupid, but I'm sorry, I'll do it anyway. Uh, it was uh, put Jamie and Phil on, uh, and it was Phyllis, but we call her Phil. Okay, Jamie and Phil on your ballot, Bill. I'm sorry. Oh, so we did, dude. We were seventeen. Leave me alone. Wow. But yeah. So, how'd you fare in that? I know you didn't win, but did you get some votes? Yeah. Oh yeah. We 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 did. Yeah. We had a guy. We lost to a guy who actually was a horrible class president. Wound up being a horrible class president, but he gave speeches, and he what he kind of had the he had. I'm not going to give a speech. I'm just going to lay it out there and oh. blah blah. And then he he's the guy that won. We kind of all split the vote. Mm. But yeah, I'm, I was I was down with the black chicks back then. But you ever slow dance with a black girl? Uh, it's the greatest thing ever. Yeah, like at a, like a homecoming dance. Yeah, kind of thing, you know? yeah, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> Sorry, wife, but I do remember that. She's probably not listening. So what is it about the black girl and slow dancing? I don't know, man. I just remember this one particular night, and I remember thinking, this is really nice and. Was it different than slow dancing yeah. with a white girl? Oh, yeah. In what way? Uh, you brought it up. I didn't. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have, but it was just felt more, uh, I don't know, the musician, I guess, I just the rhythm or the feel of it, the, you know, I guess uh, not so rigid and, uh, you know, I don't know. I had bad experiences with slow dancing. <laughs> but I do remember that, that slow dance. <clears throat> It's very nice. 
They dance well. Slow. Did she rub up against you? Or yeah, something? a little or bit. Is that what was going on bit. there? It was a slow dance. You know, yeah. we we weren't doing the old school. You know, with the keep distance between us thing. You know, it was just a nice slow dance. And she asked me, and it was the girl that asked me to go to the prom. It was the same night, and that's why I almost did go, but I couldn't go because it would have been improper. But uh, they do slow. Uh oh, I'm getting. So yeah. she asked you to Here. go to the dance. Here we go. She's like, it better have been before March of '86. It was before March of '86. I can prove that. Um, because that's when we were. I'm in trouble now. So, this yeah. is, this I figured right. I knew you would be. That's why I said I wanted to watch this kind of play yeah, out my a phone bit just, longer. Yeah. So that's. Anyway, <laughs> sanctuary cities, huh? Yeah. Well, so did she? Um, wow. Did, did your but your wife Julie? She danced yeah. well when once you met her, though, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I went really to her well. prom too. Same year. Uh huh. Oh, really? A little bit. Did you did so you had to so you were like well I know I've already been to prom with the black chick but I'm gonna go right. ahead with you though because <laughs> I didn't go to the prom with her but I kind of regretted in hindsight because I think it would have been a really fun night right this was, you know was, would have been me and all black people at a big dance I mean how much that's just fun yeah <laughs> there's no way that's not going to be fun and back then it wasn't weird you know now what do you think it was about you that attracted you to uh this black girl like what did she like about you i don't know i don't know we just got along really well and she kept noticing that me and my my guys would go upstairs and hang out with them up there cuz we liked we liked black music right you know, this is before the hip hop industry took over this is right before that it was still just they were still playing old school jams up there the stuff that you like they were still playing that stuff up there and it was just awesome and so i get I guess we just started talking or something. Next thing I know, mm. the next time I saw her, she asked me to go to the prom, and uh, I had to say, unfortunately, I can't. And she understood, but she the was black really girls. Good. I liked. I think it was because I, I got, I don't know, whatever it was. I think a lot of uh, at, at that time, and I think it remained so, that for whatever reason, white people when they're around black people, they suck up to them, and they and they actually talk down to them, yeah. and. Black people hate it when you act like you're afraid of them, uh, and, and as anybody would. I'm just saying that that black people know when white people really don't respect them, mm-hmm. and and maybe even fear them more or coddle them more. Black people do not appreciate that. I'm not speaking from what I'm saying is I'm not speaking for black. I'm speaking from my experience. So I noticed when I was a kid, the people who, you know, I could name, you know, like like a girl Mimsy. Mimsy Hebron, who I'm still love, always loved her, and she was my my girl in grade school, and you know, and, and people like that. They liked it that you weren't, you were just normal with. I mean, I don't know. I didn't grow up thinking people were different. That's just the bottom line. But a lot of white people are really like very. They talk down. They act like. And 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 here's the other thing: white people do around black people. They act like like they're doing the black person a favor by being with them or talking to them or it's 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 the whole some of my best friends are black argument you know and 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 that's what i think in many ways got obama elected to a certain degree because there were these white suburban people who didn't really have really any contact or concern about black people but figured if i just put my obama sign in there oh. all will be better you know i that's it'll be president obama will be my one black friend I'll put the sign out there, and I'll vote. Some white Republicans were like that. Yeah, 
because they wanted to be kind of counter-cultural. Uh, a lot of people in the city were like that. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I Based know, on I'm the sure. yard signs. I'm uh, sure. Um, so we have, uh, dovetailing into that, then, you have a city like St. Louis that winds up on a list. And the FBI, this happens all the time. And it's because, I think mainly, not because the city is a terrible place, but because the city is not part of the county. And so all you do when you're doing stats, and you mathematicians out there, remember, I'm a 2.6-er, you mathematicians out there know that when you're taking from a smaller sample and you're taking numbers from a smaller sample, you're going to automatically get higher numbers if you're zeroing in on one specific thing. So we, the FBI is calculating everything about the city based on 283,000 people. And, and you're always going to get, especially when there's violence concentrated in a certain area like it is in St. Louis, you're always going to get a high murder rate no matter what you do. If, if they were taking the number of deaths based on, you know, I don't know what our what our ADI is. Three million, St. Yeah, Louis County. So, mm-hmm. you, we would not even show up on, on a list of any kind. We're always the worst this, the worst that, the most impoverished, the most this, because we're basically being judged on two hundred eighty three thousand people. Yep. So this one they released with cities more than a hundred thousand people, and we're not f- f- much farther ahead of a hundred thousand people. And so uh, we became, we moved past Detroit to become the most violent city in the U.S. And we're not. Now, we're the most violent group of 283,000. I know that when you, when you base right. it on that. Mm-hmm. But we're not the most violent city in the country. We are based on that small sampling but it gets us every single time. And you all know that St. Louis is not the most violent city, but we're the worst, according to the FBI, for rape, robbery, aggravated assault, and murder. And again, I'm not trying to Gosh. I'm not I'm not trying to 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 gloss over violence, but I am trying to tell you that. You need to ignore – that's the problem. And then, of course, you have a city designated by the FBI as the most violent city in the U.S. What do you think that's going to do to people who want to move here, raise kids here, set up a business Start here? businesses, yeah. That's, whatever. Mm-hmm. Even though we are one of the best cities in the country, if you look at some of the folks out in Silicon Valley who talk about startups and that kind of thing, we're well-known. as a, Our rent is relatively low. Where uh, where our taxes are relatively low, the the quality of life is relatively high here. We're a gr- nice Midwestern city, and it's a it's a pretty good environment with except for the schools, which have been decimated by desegregation. So ignore this stat, but but oftentimes you can't when you're on the outside of it looking in and you're trying to decide whether or not you're going to come to St. Louis. It's crazy. They're taking um, the extremes. They're taking their stats at the extremes and they're drawing conclusions on the extremes. That's something that Jordan Peterson talks a lot about for equality of outcome and the way that they take the extremes and they draw conclusions on the whole entire city based on 
one sm- one smaller you know smaller group and then they draw all the conclusions from there and apply it to the whole number of people that live here and it's uh it's a trick actually it's it's the way they spin it's a modern version of spinning numbers to uh to make people think that this is probably i'm sure this is not a more dangerous city than south chicago or you know places where you would actually yeah, I mean, well, if, but it's it's like the the crime stats. It's like it's like just taking the south side of Chicago and deciding that's Chicago. That that that's basically what what would be akin to what they're doing now with St. Louis. Now, let me ask you this: I don't have my contest music available, and I can't give you anything. But I'll but I'll I'll ask you this question: when when they had the story. Uh, displayed, and this was in, let's say, the Daily Mail, for instance, uh, and this is in the UK, yeah. which is actually the Daily Mail does a pretty good job of covering U.S. news. But anyway, what picture do you think they used when they put up the story about St. Louis usurping Detroit to become the most violent city in the U.S.? Like, what... Not... Not just like what the picture was of specifically, but in general, what do you what do you think the picture was that they used as the as the city of St. Louis uh, for their crime story? Like, what subject do you think they were covering in the photo that they they showed? Do you think it was? I'll give you. I'll, you know what? I'll give you multiple choice. The beautiful arch. No. Bush Stadium? No. The Zoo? No. Ferguson? Yeah. Yeah. So you have a shot of police with a Ferguson protester on the ground. Okay. That's the picture they use to describe St. Louis. And they address the possibility that because of de-policing, perhaps, crime rates went up because police were no longer policing... That's probably not true because you'd have to assume that a police officer who goes to the academy and everything else would purposely not want to help people, which is not true. I've never really bought into the deep policing thing. Now, are there fewer arrests because they're afraid of getting attacked? Yeah, there are, but that's been going on forever. Regardless, this this stat is not a good representation of what's really going on in St. Louis. You know what? We've gone an hour, nine killer. Without taking a break, so we're going to have to do that. We've got uh, Rick Pogue coming in from Discovery Design. We've got a ton of other ground to cover, including First Lady Melania, who has uh, resurfaced. This this is the most yeah, she cra- vanished. crazy she story. She vanished, yeah. This has been an obsession among the left in where is Melania. So we've got that for you. We also have an interesting story from Stephen Colbert, who decided that he was going to take as his whole rap uh, a, well, the Christian Baker. He was going to go after the Christian Baker. We didn't really address that story that happened, uh, broke on Friday, because it was exhaustively covered. But we're going to follow up with Colbert, who really, at one time, he was so funny. And yet he's become this dour, nasty, vicious, vile, left-wing trope that Mm -hmm. I just... It's amazing to me. So we're going to take a break here. We're going to come back. Don't forget, Saturday, we've got the Discovery Design 
party right on the lot there. We're going to have our Russo's catering. We're going to have Q in the Lou. We're going to have Kona Ice. We're going to have the Naputi Pediatrics uh, Children's Area there. We're going to have Nine Killers Music. We're going to have Kreftig Beer. Thank you, Billy Bush, for all that. Doug Jowles is going to be there. That's Saturday. That's going to be from 12 to 6. I wonder if we made that too long. Yeah, maybe. It depends. Well, now that you're talking karaoke, that if that happens, that's probably about the 5 o'clock's about the time everybody's going to want to get up. Right about the time that crafting starts to take effect. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, Yeah, well, but so we'll do that. The reason why I wanted it long, uh, 12 to 6, is because a lot of people have a lot to do. This is uh, graduation season. This is kind of uh, church picnic season, you know, all those things. And so I wanted to give people enough chance to to come by if they could from 12 to 1 or whatever. I do want to let you know that Doug Giles is going to have to uh, get the the Johnny Rose, my driver, is going to take him uh, back to the airport about 4. So if you do want to see Doug, he's going to be leaving at 4, so just so you know that. And then the night before that, if you want to see Doug specifically, we've got the Doug Giles book signing. I've got the books right here in front of me, uh, Raising Righteous and Rowdy Girls. We have the Rules for Radical Christians and Pussification, all for you to purchase and get signed by Doug Jowles. Plus, he'll have a few words to say. This is at the Missouri Athletic Club West. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, our national anthem.
Let's free you from the pain. Let's see you smile again. Let us unlock all the chains you're broken. Let us help you to forget. Let us help you unlock it. It's not nearly time to quit. You've only started. You gotta sit down. One day, please, oh, let your laughter blow.
That's a new one, man. I've never you heard know, that song. Oh, it's a great song. He didn't need to have the laughter at the end of that, but oh well. Speaking of laughter, Stephen Colbert. So he used to be funny, right? He was hilarious at one time. Golly, the Colbert Report was great. And he was on with uh, John Stewart. Daily Show guy. The Daily Show. Mm-hmm. And you all know that this Christian Baker, Jack Phillips, he, this is a pretty major victory. And, you know, it was funny because Kaysen, for instance, trolled me on this. I'll have, I got to have him in later on in the week. But he was like, uh, it's just one case, just one guy. It doesn't really matter generally. It's like, yeah, it does, Kaysen. You don't want to believe it, but it does. So this was – and this was a pretty formidable court decision, too. This wasn't just a five-to-four court decision or something like that. I mean, Anthony Kennedy wrote the opinion. He's no dyed-in-the-wool conservative, so to speak. He has inclinations that way. He's a Reagan appointee. But, it, but he's but he's you know not by any stretch of Scalia. But he wrote the opinion – and the only people who were basically deciding they were going to be not so happy with the opinion and were going to to beg off of it were Ginsburg and Sotomayor, who two nuts anyway. No figure. Mm-hmm. So you have a ruling of seven to two. Narrow, New York Times. That's narrow. How is that narrow? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, how how in, that, that uh, by any stretch of the imagination nowhere near narrow, Lord. Yeah. So Stephen Breyer and Elena, Elena Kagan both joined with conservatives to form the majority here. So it, it really wasn't narrow, and you had two. I mean, Breyer and Kagan are are. Pretty liberal. They're always the four. It's always Breyer, Kagan, Ginsburg, and Sotomayor. Always. And, well, when it's, when it's the four. Sometimes you'll have Kennedy, who will make up the five on the liberal side. If there's a liberal decision, he'll side with liberals sometimes. But Kennedy didn't side with them. And Kagan and Breyer didn't side with liberals either on this one. So it was a pretty, it was a pretty darn big deal and I think at some point, even a left-wing kook has to look at this and say, yeah, maybe, that, maybe there was something to that whole thing. And I will maintain to you that there are gay people who agree with this decision. And, and I say this because there are a lot of gay conservatives who listen to this show and have listened to me for a long time. And all they want to do is be left alone. All they want to do is for people to stay the hell out of their business and 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 leave them alone. And and, and most most gays are like that. Most gays just want to live a life where like anybody else does and be in love with somebody, be married to somebody, maybe even raise kids, whatever. And you all could have your issues with that whole thing. That's fine. Different. But the bottom yeah. line is they 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 want to be left alone. Most gay people don't don't want to force a a guy who makes cakes to make a cake for them. That's not gonna. That's not their march on Selma. All right. And so most people just want to be left alone, stay out of their business, and and I like it that way. They like it that way, and they and they they don't want to. They don't run around making people make cookies and cakes for them. They don't want to be discussed at all. They just want to be people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, and it's very simple. I, I mean, 
you know, the whole gay marriage thing, people like fight over that whole thing. But I don't think the government has any business involved in any marriage. I don't even think you ought to get a marriage license. Where'd that come from, by the way? That's good. That's a good question. I don't know. How do we allow that to happen? Where you have to get a license to be married. I don't understand the logic of that either, personally. I don't, I don't understand. I mean, we all have to do it, but uh, is it just money? Because we had to pay something. Like, there's a, there's That's a, what a, it is, I think. Right. But why, why do you have to get... Why do you have to have a license to get married, go down and get the license? And, and do people sometimes just not get a license? Like, when have you ever had to display your marriage license? Right? <laughs> I wouldn't be able to if I had to, so I have no idea. You must I'm display right. your marriage license <laughs> in the window of your living room at all times. <laughs> it's like, bite me. You know what? Bite me. I'm not, I'm not doing your marriage license. So, again, have, has anybody ever... You know, let, me get, let me get on Facebook here real quickly because I've, I've been remiss in getting my uh, uh, comments uh, and, and, and I want to I see whether or not people are chiming in. That's the one thing I miss, Phil, that we're going to have to absolutely fix. Yes. A- and that is the inability to take phone calls in any kind of uh, efficient manner that has to stop. Not to say that, you know, we got to take phone calls all the time, but we must change that situation with Radio Free Elm. And we're a growing, budding, changing enterprise, but we have to at some point uh, make a uh, make a play to have the ability to take phone calls. I agree. My wife just texted me and said that the marriage license was important to get me on her health insurance really because i so so that's when people have had to display the marriage license Uh, or show it to prove we aren't related she says huh so i didn't know about that i didn't want to go get one anyway i hated it so we had to go to a courthouse and I, i do remember that but it didn't i didn't know it had anything to do with that um that ought that ought to be like the the like that, those of us who the the those of us who just don't have anything better to do ought to make that our big crusade. Repeal the uh, repeal the marriage license. Yeah. <laughs> Stand outside the courthouse with signs and stuff. No government <laughs> oppression. Let's see, uh, DeMar- uh, hey hey Marta, thanks for doing that. Uh, DMV wants to see it now for females. To verify their married name. Mike Schleter, what's up, Mike? He says that uh, you still have to do, like, I guess, to you know, blood tests and things to keep cousins from marrying each other. Yeah, seems like it might have something to do more with, uh, with that. I guess. Yeah. Well, maybe that's the reason. I still think it's horrible. But anyway, I, 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 it's not the worst thing in the world. I, I don't mean to obsess over that, but it's still kind of... Um, Weird that we have to get a marriage license. Yeah. Anyway, to my point, the, uh, the gay people I know don't want to bother other people, and they don't want other people to bother them. And they don't run around knocking on the doors of bakeries demanding that they make cakes for them. If you don't want to make a cake for them... Look, I knocked on the door. Matt went over to, to uh, answer the door. That's awesome. I tricked you, buddy. Gotcha. Do it again. Yeah. 
Hey. Matt, it's the door. Somebody's at the door. <laughs> Poor Matt. I know. Mm. <laughs> now Rick Pogue, when he comes, and he's, I'm not he's gonna, gonna be like, I'm gonna not be get, pounding not on the door. me again. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. That's like, I'm gonna answer that door. That's Jamie knocking mm. on the table. So anyway, Rick, you're gonna have to pound on the door. Or just, you know what? Just shoot it open. It's right. fine. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, most most gay people don't want to be bothered, and and if and if you don't want to make a cake for them, they don't worry about it. But it, this became a case, and it was like the like remember the story that was in Indiana, and this was like this was pure and simple harassment, where a reporter went to a pizza shop. Remember this? Yes, I do. And she asked, "Would you make a pizza for a gay wedding, or no? Would you cater? Yeah, cater a gay it wedding. Was cater." Mm-hmm. W- w- that wanted might want pizza as the as the food. Now, I'm not precluding the idea that there would be a pizza catered wedding. I've you know all kinds of strange catering things, but where the, but that was a question she asked, and, and the guy said probably not. And the the pizza shop was basically closed down mm-hmm. by the mob because of a hypothetical question about whether or not he'd make a pizza for a wedding. Now again. If you're a gay couple, do you really want to make – is that I – mean, first of all, wedding preparation is hard as it is. Yeah. Right? Right. So most people – right. You never planned a wedding. I didn't do it, but – Me yeah. neither. What are we talking about? But let's just pretend that wedding planning is as, as hard as it is already. So why, why would any couple occupy themselves – with a side controversy of trying to force somebody to do something for them that doesn't want to do it. That just is odd to me. And so, again, in defense, uh, and, and everybody kind of like unfortunately lumps these crazies in with the general LGBT community, which essentially does not want to harm anybody or get in anybody's face or make people make cakes for them or do whatever. They just want to be left alone. But anyway, this became the big controversy and the the Supreme Court told the gay crazies to pound sand and that's what they should have done and the baker was victorious. So Colbert decides that's not enough, you know, f- for him. It's not enough that that this the score was 7 to 2. And the only two people who were on the losing end were the kookiest of the Supreme Court justices. And so he decides he's going to go out there. And Colbert, you know, his personal story is really pretty nutty. Yeah. He's got an interesting one. His, two, his dad and his brother or something died in a plane crash or something like that. And you know, He's got an interesting past, but nonetheless, and used to be funny. Now he's just an old, white, liberal, guiltist on late-night TV. You want to listen to what he had to say about the baker? Yes. Listen to what he had to say about the baker people. In other legal news, it's a bad day for gay rights in America and also for cake rights. The funny thing about that is, is, is even though that's funny when he says cake rights, it really does lend itself to the ridiculousness of the statement that it's a bad day for gay rights. Because most gays, if they were going to actually pursue more of a righteous place in society would not consider the forcing a baker to make a cake for them to be the be all end all of their seeking of of more rights yeah that's uh that was not uh, 
a, a true statement. <laughs> like, let's, let's say if the Supreme Court ruled against the baker, would that be, be a big day, day for gay for, rights? Because right. it really wouldn't. Yeah. Most gays would tell you, oh, okay, well, what again is that, you know? Right. Yeah, that's, uh, that was just a, a bad way to lead into it. <laughs> that's just five seconds in. Because mm-hmm. this morning, the Supreme Court ruled in favor of a Colorado baker who refused to bake a cake. To By the sp- way, why is Code Bear talking like this? <laughs> Why is he talking like that? I was wondering the same thing. He sounded a little bit uh, hopped up there. Supreme Court yeah. ruled in favor of a Colorado baker. Who we? It's like, why are you doing that? That's only ten seconds in. Celebrate the marriage of a same-sex couple. That is tough news. But to lighten the blow, the Supreme Court did send the gay couple a lovely cake. <laughs> the cake. It's a cake shaped with a like a middle finger. Oh, okay. Wow. That's presuming the Supreme Court makes cakes. He centered around fundamentalist Christian baker Jack Phillips, seen here posing for his... Fundamental. Yeah, the fundamentalist Christian baker. It's interesting how you have to be a fundamentalist to say that you don't want to partake. Because you, you know when a liberal uses the term fundamentalist, you, you, you have to say that they are... It's not a positive thing to be a fundamentalist It Christian. suggests they put faith over reason, which means that they're intellectually stunted. It just means that they look at the Bible as, you know, fundamentally. That's the way I when, – I, when, 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 the, when the left uses that word, it's, it's, a, it's a complete insult. Have, have, have you ever heard of the term fundamentalist Muslim? No, that's I haven't that's either. Not, they just call them Muslims, and they, we assume that that's what it, if they're practicing. Like I said, I know Muslims here that are just like the way Catholics are here that I know, which is we're Catholics, but we don't really do much. We're not practicing Catholics. The Muslims that I know here are the same. Well, I know Muslims who uh, who are friends of mine who drink and yeah. do everything, but they still go to the mosque and they still partake yeah, in Muslim holidays. Their and parents like are still alive. That's mostly the what my friends that they, they still have parents that are, you know, from maybe from the right. Middle East. And you know, so they still yeah. behave they don't, but they not, don't, not in my house. They don't tell their parents they drink. <laughs> they I know that. Not. They do not. I know one one Aisha Khan who I worked with over Channel Thirty, uh you 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 realize she's a Muslim and her drink of favor was was like Guinness, like dark beer. I'm like, girl, you're drink. I don't even drink. You know, you lo- she loved her some fork beer. That's a meal replacement beer, right there. Yeah, but but she but it, but if her parents knew that she drank, mm-hmm. they'd drive them nuts. But that's not any different than with Christians. Some people who are devout Christians or whatever, or mm-hmm. or Jewish faith. There are a lot of yep. kids who are doing things that their parents wouldn't really appreciate. That's right. nothing. New, no fundamental. The use of fundamentalist is an insult. It's an intellectual insult. It's a, it's a trigger word to make the the laugh track cue. His statue in the Museum of Intolerance. <laughs> is it really intolerant not to make a cake for not, not decide you want to partake in something that you disagree with religiously? Is that intolerance? That's the worst fifteen seconds of trigger words. He's ever put together that I've ever heard him put in such a short period of time. How many insults he just put out there? To, yeah, uh, to dig. They're they're little digs, but they're they're that a- academic intellectual. Yeah, just it's pablo. interesting though how how it's perceived as being intolerant when you are 
standing up for your particular views. Mm-hmm. And I, I find all kinds of different possibilities with analogies there. If you are standing up, for instance, for if you don't want to partake in something because uh, you are opposed to it from some kind of moral standpoint or whatever, how that becomes intolerant right. is weird to me. Right. They're cha- they champion causes. We uh, are intolerant of them. So like if like if you're for if you're for sanctuary cities and you support illegal immigration, are you intolerant of legal immigration? Right. That's no. See. That's no. Right. See. It doesn't pass that test. No, it does not. Mm-hmm. Phillips uh, evidently refused to bake uh, wedding cakes for any gay couples in violation of Colorado's civil rights law, but the Supreme Court found that the reason and motive for the baker's refusal were based on his sincere religious beliefs and convictions. Yeah, Yeah, fie. That's horrible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's all right there in the gospel. I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, but if I catch you frosting a gay cake, (laughs) you go to hell. Mm. That's actually kind of funny, but yeah. Uh, but 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 it's it's so weird that he would assume that standing up for your religious beliefs somehow is unbiblical. <laughs> when, when, when you and and and, and quoting and quoting mm-hmm. some uh, basically, well, this is he said Matthew five four whatever, but 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 basically basing it on the teaching of, of Jesus, who wandered into a temple. And overturned tables because of his religious convictions, and there wasn't one intolerant thing about that act. Right. I mean, he was intolerant of the violations mm-hmm. of human dignity and the money changers and that kind of thing. So maybe that was. But is, was that was that considered? Was Jesus turning over tables in the temple intolerant? No. An act of intolerance. He was standing up for his religious beliefs. In fact, uh, if you go right down to it, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and he died standing up for his religious beliefs. So how somehow somebody standing? I'm not comparing the baker to be, but but no, but you know what I'm talking about here. That's right. That's that's a good. They they use the temple scene and the money changers constantly in, 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 in arguments about the, uh, what Jesus was really about. That particular scene has been used so much to show Jesus was, uh, you know, anti-capitalism. Jesus was, you know, they used that scene so many times. I'm surprised he used it there, uh, and he misquoted it as well. And, but but he, used a, he used a lot of insults and a lot of trigger words to get to that soft punchline that we could all laugh at at the end, which was kind of funny. But on the way to that punchline, he just just insulted every single religious person. I think we've firmly established on a number of levels that Jesus was a pretty ballsy guy mm-hmm. and didn't put up with a lot no. and, and wasn't necessarily a guy who let things kind of slide. <laughs> you know what I mean? He was and, a very disgruntled rabbi, most definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, he, and he associated himself with people who didn't like him. Uh, and agree with him on purpose to try to transform them or to teach them, do whatever. And so that's interesting. Meanwhile, what gospel is that? I didn't remember that. I don't remember that. I don't remember that. I don't remember that. 
I don't know. Hello. Thanks to the new Supreme Court ruling, there's never been a better time to jump into the hetero pastry industry, which is why I opened Straight Cakes, where we guarantee all our cakes are straight. It's a long way to go for all of that. Uh-huh. I mean, uh-huh. a long way to go for all of that. But that's yeah. the that's the Colbert report. You see this one, too? This April Ryan chick is, like, off off the rails now she is a um she's now be, it's, she's made it her thing now because she's got this this like sarah huckabee sanders clearly intimidates her but also she thinks that she kind of owns sarah huckabee sanders so she's april ryan who is from the urban black whatever the hell it is mm-hmm. urban black radio network or something that you never even heard of this chick nope and and she is crazed about Sarah Huckabee Sanders and now makes it as her as her thing just to be defiant and angry and argumentative with Sarah Huckabee Sanders and thankfully Sarah Huckabee Sanders says bitch I'm not going to put up with you nope. all day long that's just not going to be what I'm doing she's so good at this taking heat from people like that Sarah is such a qualified person for the job <laughs> she's great and yeah. April Ryan though thinks that this is this is this is April Ryan's own kind of civil rights pursuit because April Ryan thinks that it's her her right and her privilege to have every question of hers answered even when she decides she's going to ask a question when somebody else is called upon here the exchange here this is with uh the, this is over the whole Eagles filled up. Take one last question, Stephen. Is the president aware that this is Sorry, about Stephen, police involved shootings? And- so she clearly called on somebody else, but April Ryan believes that it's her privilege because I, I firmly believe April Ryan is only doing this because she's black. And she thinks that she has the extra right to be extra annoying and not have to abide by any of the White House briefing rules only because she's black. I agree. Not about disrespecting the flag. Is the president aware Stephen, of that, Sarah, please? Go. I understand you're going to Stephen, but I'm asking, is the, this is... Because, by the way, the whole wow. national anthem take a knee thing has become some kind of like a, like some kind of black mm-hmm. uh, civil rights thing. Uh, and, and, and you're racist if you don't if you don't support a crappy quarterback taking a knee for the national anthem. Now, again, apparently, like, do, like for instance, much like gays don't want to be bothering a cake maker to make a wedding cake, do you think really that blacks really think that taking a knee for the national anthem is their hat to hang on. I mean, their place to hang their hat. Because what's curious is that there are a lot of people who think they're speaking for gays, much like they think they're speaking for blacks. When the black community, if you go out on the street right now and ask a group of black people about whether or not they would take a knee for the national anthem, you'd probably get half of them at the very least saying they would not do it, much like you get half of the white people saying that. I agree. I mean, I, in St. Louis, I definitely agree with that from the people that I know that would they would definitely not agree with April Ryan and and the, the, these people that believe that this is a, a patriotic uh, stance. That's ridiculous to them. They see it as the opposite. Do you think more. most blacks over thirty 
think of Colin Kaepernick as their new Martin Luther King? No, no I don't think so at all. I don't, I don't either. Think so at all. It's an underlying issue, and it just keeps going about disrespect of the flag and soldiers. There are black and brown soldiers that fight in the military as well who feel that taking a knee. By the way, where did the whole black and brown thing come from? Yeah, I'm going to check the cram box when I get home. I, I'm not sure what they're, why they're dividing. Now that that's a, that's a subdivision now. You know, well, where did where did that come from? Like, like if you're like, there's nobody really who's really black, right? They're all. And I'm looking at the color. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at a black, yeah. black. Yeah. I guess maybe there are people that color. I know they're not paisley people, over there. No. Here. Come here. This is only for the Facebook people. This is black, right? Yeah, I don't know anyone that color. Yeah, I mean, there might be somebody that color, but that's not black. So, so why did she say black and brown? Uh, I guess she's trying to pick up the Hispanics. Are brown people Hispanic? Yeah. Are there, are there many Hispanic football players? Now, you really wow me if you were this color. <laughs> Go be Paisley. You'd be green Paisley. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Fire shoes. Right. God, God was like, okay, I'm not going to make people Paisley, okay? I made a giraffe. Isn't that, like, enough for you people Man, out there? No kidding. Yeah. I made, I made a salamander, and its tail falls off at the, just the very touch of it. And you want me to make pe- pe- a human being Paisley? What more do you want? Hell, I made Venus. Is that not good enough for you people? I made Pluto, and you all now are telling me it's not a planet. That's right. Bringing attention to police-involved shootings is something that this White House should deal with. Is the president aware that taking the knee is about police-involved shootings? The president has made his... Is it about police? I didn't know that. I didn't either. I didn't until she said that. I didn't understand where she was, what her point was. But Where'd that come from? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, is it, am I missing something? I'm sorry, I don't watch Jamel Hill on ESPN that much. Mm-hmm. Am I missing something? Is it about police-involved shootings? At the American Urban Radio Networks, apparently it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. She's a White House correspondent, so. Yeah, she is. Position, uh, crystal clear and that it's about, I'm, about I, I let you rudely interrupt me and your colleague I'm, I'm going to ask that you allow me to finish my answer I mean this is, this is a person who clearly believes long enough to let me do that the president has made his position crystal clear on this topic he feels strongly that standing for our national anthem uh, is something that we should do something that matters to what makes our country um this is a person who is hugely tolerant of April Ryan and really doesn't necessarily have to be, but continues to answer her question even though she clearly doesn't even respect her own colleagues. Yeah. And, and, and I didn't know, though, that, one, that, that, is, that is interesting because I did not know that, um, that in fact, this was a thing, like, like that, that the... Uh, that the national anthem take a knee thing was indeed a move based on police shootings. 
I've never heard somebody say it like that before. Has Colin pa- Kaepernick even said that? Not that way. Not not that way. He's been more just. It's just an equal rights. Uh, you know, uh, mistreating mistreatment. I didn't hear anybody say it was specifically about police. What she's saying is police involved shootings. Um, again, not focusing on the fact that most of the shootings are not happening with police involved uh, in Chicago. That's for sure. Um, I don't understand April Ryan. She's she's April, CNN really liked her. April. Yeah, I'm anxious to get your More of that your in the briefing room. April, following up clap. and getting What's in. Going on there? Don, Don Lemon. Is that Don? Okay. The bloody they, hands. They lo- right. and April Ryan's right next to him in the double box with Wolf Answer, I absolutely applaud you, and I think all of the folks in the briefing room should do exactly what April did today. What, interrupt each other? Or, or or not take turns when they're called upon? Is that what Don Lemon thinks that everybody in the briefing room Challenge this the podium and the White House more because they go from one reporter to the other when they don't like the answer. They, they cut them off and they move on to the next person. Which is kind of what happens every time you do have a White House briefing is that you move things along so everybody gets a chance, or most people get a chance, to answer the question. That's kind of how it, how it In rolls. In April, you didn't allow it, so thank you for doing that. I'm- yeah, April, just, boy, let me tell you, that, that, that little march on Selma you did right there in the briefing room was really a great advancement for the black population. Sorry to interrupt. Thank you, thank you Don. Well, Wolf, um, you know, it was an interesting exchange. First of all, I mean, you know, we've been in that briefing room for many, many years, for decades. And strategically, uh, Sarah did not want to call. April Ryan looks like she's going to a wedding in this. Like, she changed clothes and everything. She dialed herself up for the CNN love. So we'll put that up. I'll put that up in the comment section. You guys can see for it yourself, see it yourself. And then coming up, by the way, we're going to have one of our favorite guys in the studio here. His name is Rick Pogue, and he is with Discovery Design, and that is exactly where we are in the Discovery Design studio. And it's also going to be where we're going to be Saturday. Weather's supposed to be great. The weather forecast calling for partly sunny skies, high of 94. And we're going to have uh, some crafting beer for you. We're going to have a kid's area. We're going to have soft drinks. We're going to have Kona ice. We're going to have Q in the Lou. We're going to have Russo's. We're going to have uh, a mini car show that may or may not feature my groovy brand new Rubicon Jeep. It all depends on whether or not Dave Sinclair is going to let me do that or not. I'm driving around that Jeep, and I noticed that other Jeep people, that's the thing that you wave to people when you're in a, in a Jeep, when you see somebody else in a Jeep. Did you know that already? I did not know Jeeps do that, uh, <clears throat> but I see... Uh, People in smart cars kind of waving at each other. Really? Yeah, I saw it one time at the stoplight. It just cracked me up. It looked hilarious. Yeah, they did this like, eh. but You're no. going to get killed, too, more easily. What people are saying to you in that Jeep is, your Jeep is awesome. That's why they're saying hi to no, you. They, 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 I've awesome. seen people, mm-hmm. like, that's the thing. And I felt really bad the first time it happened because somebody waved to me, and I didn't wave back to them in time. <sighs> So I felt bad about that. So I took a U-turn and followed them. Yeah, I'd say go all the way to their door. You know, and then pulled up alongside mm-hmm. and then like waved in their face. Yep, yep. So I did that, yep, yep. that part of it. But that's so I Jeep etiquette. Redeemed myself. But mm-hmm. yeah, I noticed that that's, it's, I think, remember back in the day, the whole, the sell job was, it's a Jeep thing. Yeah. I think that's what that was about. Yeah. 
But Sub- Subaru people do that too. Do they really? Porsche people do it too. Porsche people kind of just you know, get a snobby kind of thing, you know. But uh, your Jeep just looks so cool. You need to buy it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah well, girls like it. Chicks dig the Jeep. No, I mean your girls. <laughs> Not chicks. Thank you, Dave Sinclair, for the beautiful Rubicon Jeep. Hey, Rick Pogue's on the way. Yeah, you still be disgusted. And now I try to be amused. But since the winds have got rusted, you know the angels want to wear my red shoes. But when they told me about the side of the parking, everybody and check this out we are in the discovery design studio which is what we call it because it is sponsored by none other than the guys over at discovery design and you're familiar with these guys because well it's the pogue family it's rick pogue dad jerry call him peepaw wait you you call him something else too don't you is this thing on yeah (laughs) uh I just call him Sir. But yeah, Peepaw. Peepaw is what he's known by. He's the man. And one of the things I really appreciated so much uh, about a recent meeting with Rick uh, and Jerry is that they were just so supportive of me uh, and have been in the past and, and, and are now. And I remember we sat there and we were talking about the, the, the whole – because it's a startup company, really, Discovery Design. And you don't always have – just kind of money hanging around. 
And I remember Jerry and Rick were sitting there, and Ryan was with us, and Jerry said, you know what? I just want to support Jamie. And that's what Rick, because you always have to ask Dad when you're talking about money. Yeah. <laughs> so, But that was Rick's point of view as well. And so I so appreciate you guys for sticking with me in this formulation and for supporting this new endeavor, Radio Free America, <laughs> Radio Free Almond, and also hosting us on Saturday for the Warrior of the Wild Man Radio Free Almond Throwdown Palooza that is Saturday uh, from 12 to 6. So we're going to be yep. on your lot for a long time, brother. Long time. And we're looking forward to it. We've been setting up for it all week. Um, and it's going to be a great time. It's going to, the place is going to look fantastic. It's, it, we can accommodate, you know, we've got 14 acres there, so we can accommodate a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it's going to be a fantastic time. We're looking forward to it. Um, I don't think we'll disappoint. We've got our little highway. I saw made. that. Yeah. Yeah, so, Ryan took a picture of it and sent it to me after he, he yeah. was out there. You guys were strategizing oh, yeah. about Well, it's a truck placement. center, so you know. <laughs> right, exactly. It's really cool. It's a beautiful place, by the way. You guys have done a great job. And when you were giving me a tour of the work area there, yeah. it was, man, I was like, wow, well, you guys can pretty much do anything there. We really can. We're like a, uh, um, you know those uh, 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 reality, those auto reality TV yeah, shows sure. where they're always, you know, get, uh, the... Uh, Count, it, counting cars, all, all that, that. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Fast and loud, yeah. and 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 all, uh, monster garage. It's like that on steroids because we do big trucks. So we do you know tractor trailers, and we do dump trucks, and we do box trucks, and and uh, flatbeds, and all that kind of stuff. The cool thing is we also manufacture the equipment, so we build the truck beds too, and the trailers, and all that stuff. So Phil, there, I was out there, and and just as a little diversion here, so they have these places, you know, the the propane tank cages. Right, okay. and, and you always have the cage for the propane yep. tanks. Yep. So Rick was telling me, yeah, I was in here, and some guy was in here delivering blah, blah, blah. And they, and they, they said, do you make propane tank cages too? And Rick's like, yeah, yeah, we'll do that too. <laughs> I mean, I mean hey, you know. <laughs> yeah. Candy. You bet. In between making, you know, Blue, yeah. Blue Lives Matter conveyors and everything else, if you guys see any parade that, that the Arrowhead Building Supply guys are in, or in this case, Discovery Design, they love toying around with these Conve- it's usually just conveyors, right? That you're you're pumping up, or yeah. Well, okay. we manufacture a conveyor, a, a, a roofing delivery systems for yeah. for distributors okay. all over the country. Okay. So yeah, so roofing conveyors are a specialty. I'm sorry, I just use the word conveyor because you know I'm in the truck business. I just, yeah. I w- can for- I say something real quick before we go too far from yeah. what he said when you originally came in? Because yeah. I was going to call you yesterday to talk to you about the setup for the music and stuff for this thing. And I thought, well, if I call you, I'm going to end up saying something to you that I would wait to get on the air with you, knowing that you came in this morning. I was okay. so excited. Well, when the whole thing broke, when, when, when the Twitter thing happened to Jamie and all that stuff, I was, I was kind of right there on Twitter, kind of covering it and, and working against some of the opposition that locally and stuff. <clears throat> I just wanted to say to you, to my recollection, you were the very first person that tweeted something positive in support of Jamie Almost regardless, yeah. you hadn't even, I don't even think you really knew exactly the details of what was going on, but you knew you were going to stand by him yeah. from the start. You were the first person, and it inspired me as a person on Twitter that I was about to go to war with all these local idiots sure. and dissemble their arguments. And you, know, and you, I didn't even know who you were. Yeah. Uh, listening all the years that I listened and heard your name, I always thought the band, the Pogues, and we'd always laugh, <laughs> yeah. Pogues, Pogues, Pogues. Yeah, yeah. That's, you know, so I always pictured this really, like, weird-looking weird guy. <laughs> the lead singer of the Pogues is like, I'm kind of weird-looking. Look. No, you're giant. I didn't know you were a giant. <laughs> but that's awesome. But, uh, but, but thanks for, for doing that. It, it inspired me as just a fan of his and a friend of his 
to see that somebody had immediately, and I mean, that was like almost on day one or two that yeah. you tweeted. I'm sure you remember it. You said something like, no matter what, we're, you know, we're going to stick by this is bull. And, you know, and it was you just bet. like, cool, man. Like well, somebody's you, man. actually doing it, you know? Well, thank you, man. It means a lot. It I was really it cool, man. <laughs> um, you know, and you're right. And we're very sincere. I was brought up that way. Uh, we, we back our friends, especially when they're wrong. And I, I, I believe to this day and always will, that was a, that was a bad situation. And, uh, I think you were, uh, I think you were thrown overboard. Oh yeah. And, and that is not cool. And, um, there are people. There are people at the other organization that feel the same way. Yeah. But it was out of their. It was out of their hands. But uh, no, you bet. I appreciate that very much. Uh, we'll always support Jamie. We told. We did tell you that from day one. Right on. Bro. And that'll never change. Yeah, I so, so appreciate it. And and and, you know, I've no. I don't know how. I'm probably close to it. It seems like a decade because you guys were one of the first. Because we met actually through our late friend Jeff Hansen of yep. Hansen's Tree Service. And there was this whole group out there, uh, Jeff Hansen and he and, and Rick, he knew, uh, and, and Jeff, of course, dying in a, a plane crash. Boy, was it, was it been like four years now? Uh, it was, uh, I believe it was June of 15. Wow. And, yeah. and we miss him terribly, but I met him. I met the guys at Grasser Electric. Mm-hmm. I met uh, other folks through, through Jeff. Uh, Hanson and and Rick was one of the first people I met through him because at that time you guys were recycling shingles or doing yeah. something of, of that nature, uh, and so he was kind of he introduced us to each other and then the rest is history. Arrowhead Building Supply was a major supporter of the All in the Morning Show, uh, and now because contractually we I really can't I can't take any I can't do that and we're fighting that but I can't I can't really discuss that to any length. But Discovery Design is a new frontier. One of, the, one of the great things about Rick and Jerry, and, and, and Jerry raised a son who nothing stops him when it comes to his ideas. When we, when we listened to that commencement address last night, uh, yesterday, from the Admiral, did you hear that, by I the did. way? I did. This guy, that, that's how these guys live. They're not afraid of anything. And they take risks, and they get out there, get their hands dirty. Sometimes things aren't always going to work, although seemingly things have worked every time you do it. Yeah. And, you and don't hear all... about the bad ideas. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, and, and, and that's what's great about it, too, because you, you live the life of a small business person where if you talk to anybody who is successful in any business, they'll talk to you all about their failures, all about things that went by the wayside sure. in the past, but you're not going to ever win if you haven't tried. Yeah. Well, I always say, you know, you have to be innovative. You have to be innovative in anything you do. You're innovative in radio. Look where, look what it's doing for you. And I think, it, I think it's, I think you're on the right track. And I think you've got a great thing starting here. And I'm excited to be a part of it. Thank you. We all are. But you have to be innovative and uh, uh, make changes. You have to change the industry. And you have to be unafraid to try new things. Believe me, some of my ideas are ridiculously crazy out there. Okay, and some of them don't work. Yeah. You know, I, f- I figure if half of them work and half of them don't work, we're ahead. Right. You know, and the great thing about my father and, and his partner, Larry Sachs, they I can't remember the last time they just said, nope. Yeah. We can't do that. Yeah. There, sometimes it'll take two or three meetings. <laughs> it'll be, okay, let's try it. But, you know, God bless them. They're, they're great about that, and it's worked out for the best for us. And you guys are unafraid when it comes to supporting our military and our police. I love Always. And what you'll see out there at Discovery Design at noon to 6 when we have our warrior and mild man Radio Free Almond throw down Palooza, you're going to see all their their conveyors, their trucks on display. You're going to see the, you have the Blue Lives Matter truck, right? Yep. We'll have the big veterans, the longest truck-mounted roofing conveyor in the United States of America. It's the longest biggest one there is, mounted. and there's a lot of them. 61 feet, it'll reach uh, over the gutter on six stories. 
Yeah, and that will be there. Well, it's got a it's got a veterans wrap. It's got a it's got a silhouette of a saluting veteran. <laughs> it's awesome. On it. The hood has jets on it. American flag. It's spectacular. And it'll be there with that big flag. Yeah, I love that big flag. Yeah. And they, and they they put it in parades and local parades, yeah. everything else. Now you can, uh, Phil, if you want, you can. They'll put a conveyor on your Porsche for you. Okay. They'll, you put, they'll put, uh, fix it to the top there. Can you get my Porsche on my roof? We can do anything. <laughs> See, I always say yes and then apologize and later. And then your dad will be like, yeah, we'll have a meeting on that. Yeah. Uh, we got a little surprise for you on Saturday. It's a, I'll just tell you, it's a go-kart, but it is the coolest go-kart you'll ever see in your life. Uh, nice. So, yeah. All right, I'm, I'm in. Uh, it's going to be a ton of fun. Yeah. And then, so when it comes to what Discovery Design does, all right, so you have small businesses out there, big businesses out there, and they've got fleets, they've got needs, yep. they have this, they got that. You can add on, build from the bottom up, right? Yes. Okay. You bet. Uh, they can. We can do anything. And I, when I talk about those automotive reality shows, we are literally like that. We do almost everything. Anything from an oil change to a brake repair to a uh, diesel engine repair. Um, we can manufacture truck beds. We can fix a weld. If, a, if there's a, you know, a farmer out there that's got a broken implement, he can bring his implement in and we will fix it on the spot and he can be on his way. Uh, we will manufacture anything custom, any kind of display for showrooms, anything. And we, we weld both aluminum and steel. So you almost have to see the operation. That's why I'm excited about having you guys there. Oh, I can't yeah. wait. You have mm-hmm. to see it to, to realize how much we do. And we also, as you know, we have our marketing department on site there. So we can do all the wraps. We can do the lettering. We can do signage. We can do apparel. We can do just about anything. And you've got that painting operation, too, now. because Is that already completed? Not or? yet, but it's, it's about uh, 50% there. Uh, that, we're hoping to have that finished, completed by the end of summer. But that is incredible. That we will have a sandblast and paint facility on site, so we will literally be able to do anything. Yeah, so you can sandblast that porch. Yeah, porch and get the you bet. You can get it wrapped in. You can get it. You can have a blue lives matter porch, dude. Uh, we can do that. That would be something. I dare you to. We can do that. Go ahead. Don't dare me, man. I, <laughs> I will talk to this man after the yeah, show. I know. Well, yeah. you know, and and buddy, when you did as uh, Nine Killer pointed out on Twitter and everything else, you got a lot of grief for that. We got you, a lot of grief. You got a lot Did of you? people on. Yeah, but I didn't care. It, it, you have to be principled at some point. Yeah. And you have to stand up for what you believe. And ever, to each business their own. But when it comes to our business, we're not going to be dictated to by anyone. And we're certainly not going to be dictated to by the, the, the political opposite of what we are for political reasons. Yeah, yeah. Those people that emailed us and called us, they didn't even know who we were. They were calling us saying, you know, how can you support blah, 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 blah. And they don't even know who we were and what we do. They don't give a crap about our business. No. No. And uh, so we just we just took the call. Thank you very much. We'll get yeah. back to you and yeah. moved on. But yeah, I yeah. mean, none of that stuff phases us. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, no doubt about it. You guys are as strong as oxes out there, personally, professionally, and beyond. And I do have to uh, ask you though, because I, I here I'm I'm gonna put a disclaimer out here. But I since I've known Rick and Jerry and the rest of the gang out there for so long. I have to be able to talk about it, even though I can't take any money from them for advertising for Arrowhead Building Supply. But I will say that, like, for instance, they – this – every day when I drive back to my house uh, and I see my my roof, yeah. this beautiful vintage roofing shingle that they, they, they hooked me up with through Tamco. Yeah, great dude, company. Dude, that is – that is awesome. They provided the siding for me. Yeah. That banner construction installed mm-hmm. when yep. we did the new siding on the house. 
And so you guys are doing great. You always come up with like new things too. Always. And that, that cube is a big hit right yeah. now. I mean, it's, it's in every showroom. It's up, it's live. It's, it's, I'm getting reports. I get reports every time somebody enters a, a house into the cube. It's a, it's a visualizer system where you can actually take a picture of your house. You can email it to us within a couple hours. We can frame it in and outline it and then change all the products on it. We actually did it with your house. Yeah. And uh, so you can see basically you're going to, you all you do is if you want to look, know what a cedar shake, shingle will look like on your house yep. you you just hit cedar shake shingle and you and your house and it's it's not just like a color forms thing either it's like it's like it's very it's, realistic it's really really uh, the cool. manufacturer started doing that like in the mid 2000s and mm-hmm. it was like a cartoon the first ones they were cool but that's all we had mm-hmm. so it's like wow that's cool well it looked like a cartoon it wasn't very realistic now with all the the digital uh, uh oh. updates and all that Technology, it's pretty amazing. It looks just like it's yeah. on your house. It really yeah. does. And it's, it's just a phenomenal thing. You know, you go to a showroom and say, I'm, I'm looking for a new shingle or a new, a new siding. They'll literally give you a piece of siding this long yeah. and that tall yep. and say, okay, what color do you want? And you're like, that's going to cover my house. Can I take a piece? Take it home and hold it up on your yeah. wall. And that, you know, oh, this is it, that. babe. People do that. People this will take it. a shingle sample right. and lay it on the gutter and get on a ladder. What do you think, honey? <laughs> you know, and... This this is revolutionary. No one else has it, and we're very excited. Now, about are they it. the ones that left the flag for you as well? That they put the flag up for you? I think you made a comment about it on the air one time too. Somebody had rehung your flag. That was a banner guys because they were doing right. the siding. So those happy. are great. Same group came oh, over yeah. and saw your flag and yeah. you, you were so happy. Oh yeah, I mean, yes. but but it's, it's that kind of vibe and and that kind of innovation too because nobody really else around town does that kind of thing. So yeah, well, you know the cube thing. I went into a furniture store. And this is this is three years ago. I walked into a furniture store, and, and there's this big TV there, and it's a touchscreen. And I'm like, I'm looking for a certain kind of uh, table. And he goes, well, come over here. And he starts going to the TV. I'm like, I saw that. All I saw in there was shingles and siding and windows. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Yeah. And that's where that, that, that idea came from. Yeah. You know, it, our industry just doesn't have anything like that. Now it does. Now it does. You look good in the Radio Free Almond hat, Thank there, you. Buddy. One love of my best friends gave it to look, me. Uh, yeah, right, right, exactly. I've already worn it to play golf. And, All right. Yeah. So. No, it's looking good. And so it's going to be a ton of fun. You're, you, uh, Doug Giles is going to love you, man. You, you guys are kind of cut the same cloth, you know. I can't, just by the titles of his books, I know I like him. <laughs> so I, I, can't wait to, I can't wait to meet him. Now, I want to go Friday. Friday might turn into date night. I don't know oh, yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because mm. Saturday's going to be very long. Yes. So I'll, if I can get permission, I'll be there. All right. I'll, I'll buy you dinner at the Missouri Athletic Club if you and your lovely one want to come, and I'll do it. If I, if I can get her to do that, I will do that. <laughs> She's got little four-year-old Brody, which, by the way, is like six feet tall. I know. That's amazing. No, I can Gosh, imagine he, why. I measured him. He grew two inches since February. And I, I measured since him on the door. February. The other yes. He, grew, he went from 40... Three to almost forty three and a half to almost forty six inches. February. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his, where do you his, guys? My father in law six five. Okay, he's seventy seven years old, I think, and he's still taller wow. than me. So, and yeah. then there's you too. Now, where do you like? Where does the Pogue? Where does Rick Pogue get his height? Because your dad isn't tiny, no, but he's not. He's five eleven or so. Yeah. But my, his dad, my my dad's dad, was six three, yeah. and uh, uh, he passed away about nineteen seventy four, I believe. Mm. Uh, in his early 70s. But, yeah, he was tall. He was very tall. And my father grew up. You know, you hear the stories all the time. Your parents probably – it's probably a true story. But, you know, kids today don't understand. My dad, we grew up. He would give me the whole walking to school both ways. Mm-hmm. He told me we – he goes, we built our own house. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. We went out there. Uh, one of my aunts passed away in the, in the early 80s. And we drove out there and saw the actual house where he grew up. And I was – at 14, I was just blown away and humbled. I was like, they had no running water. They had no bathroom. They had yeah. nothing. Didn't your dad start as a roofer? Yes. Okay. He graduated high school in 1964, 
And the day after, he was 18 years old, the day after high school, he was on, on a roof nailing shingles on, learning how to roof. Wow. 50, this is uh, the 50, well, May, his birthday marked, uh, which was May 21st, marked uh, 54 years in the industry. Wow. 54 years. It's like, Man. You know, he, those, those kids that, that, that are, you know, are going to take over, inherit businesses from their parents and all that, and they don't listen to their parents, they're just stupid. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's so much wisdom there. Yep. You know, any, any idea I have or anything I want to do, I always go to him and say, what do you think? Some of it's stuff he's never heard of. Some of it's he's been there. Why would you repeat the same mistake? Yeah. So now, when you were growing up, did you always know that you were going to be in that same business that your dad was in? No, or? I wanted to play in the NFL. Oh, really? <laughs> and then I slipped wow. two discs my freshman year in college football and thought, <laughs> hmm. When they redshirted me, I was doing power cleans. It was the last repetition of the last set. And I got lazy and got lazy with my back and lost my posture and yanked on that. I was, I was power cleaning 200 pounds, like reps of 10. And I gave it a yank, and two discs slipped. And I was 19, and I couldn't even walk. Wow. And, yeah, so I went through all that. And then, then I will tell you, after that, I wanted to do what my dad did. That's when once, once I uh, come out of mourning yeah. <laughs> and, and the realization hit me, I, I thought, you know what, I want to follow in his footsteps. And, yeah. You know, you're talking 21 years old there. Yeah, so that's, that's great. And then you, you all know, too, and what's, what's great about Discovery Design and the relationship with Radio Free Almond is that, you know, we're being listened to all throughout the state. We're on an app. So basically, you don't drive someplace and lose our signal. Uh, and, and you guys have cool. locations all throughout not only the state, all throughout the country as well. Yep. Arrowhead's down in Branson and Springfield, correct? Yeah, or- Branson, Springfield, and Bentonville, Arkansas. Oh, the yeah. Home okay. of Walmart and Tyson Foods and J.B. Hunt. And- right on. Well, I'll tell you what, that is that is an unbelievable area. You think, Bentonville, Arkansas, why don't I go down there? It's incredible. It's like driving through, uh, uh, it's almost like driving through uh, Brentwood. Oh, it's, wow. It, the, and the whole area is like that. Mecca. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Walmart spends money down. They don't care. They built an amphitheater because they wanted one right <laughs> on the highway. And they'll bring in Tim McGraw, whoever they want. Wow. It is unbelievable down there. I love it. Now, one of the things that they turn me on to, and I, I, I don't know why I'm obsessed with this, but <laughs> back in the early days when we would hang out, uh, when Arrowhead first got connected with my show and everything else, he and, and, and Daddy would take me out to lunch. And we'd go to this place where I've never seen bigger pork steaks in my mm, lifetime. Yes. Is that place still is that place it's still closed? There. It's, it's oh, it Main is. Street Diner. Okay. Um, I, I haven't had a pork steak there in a long time. He used to get up and barbecue them every morning. Right, and it right. Was, it was, he was the only guy that did it. Yeah. And he didn't have any help that could do it. So it, it got to the point where he just couldn't do that anymore. But that was the best pork steak I've ever had in my life. But Main Street Diner is still there. It's a great place. It's a great venue. Uh, John, the owner, is a wonderful human yeah, being. Yeah, um, yeah. and it's right there. Uh, Mid Rivers and Seventy, right behind that QT Main yeah. Street Diner. They know everybody out there in God's country. I'm telling you, man. Yeah. And uh, of course, you, we still still keep in contact with the Hansons and you bet. Shelley you bet. and Chad, the rest of the gang. And yeah, Sierra. I keep thinking we got to go to commercial break, and I'm like, we're not. We don't have to go to commercial break. You no, we're just talking, buddy. We can do this. Is, it's radio <laughs> like, free, almond man. I better get it all in. But yeah, I, I, about Jeff Hanson, you know, we bring him up just about every time we're yeah. together. And without Jeff Hanson, we wouldn't know each other. No, we uh, none of our companies would be on radio. Um, a lot of things going on in, in my life and uh, my father's life and our company's lives would not be going on. Uh, we owe that man a lot, and he was one of my – I always tell everybody I, ha- I really have three mentors in my life. Uh, the founder of our company, and his name was Steve Schulte. Of course, my father is my biggest mentor. I learned just about everything from him. And Jeff Hansen. 
And Jeff Hansen was the one, you know, my father and, the, and Steve, this is when I was this big, you know. Okay. Jeff came along when I was in, you know, 40 years old mm-hmm. and, and, and really introduced me and my whole family to a whole different level. Right. Right. Of, of things and ways to look at business and all that. You know, you think you know everything, but you never, ever, ever stop learning. You know, the people at the very top of the biggest corporations, if they're smart, they'll tell you they never stop learning. Yeah. And that was an amazing uh, event in my life. I really miss him. And, and Chad's a fantastic human being. Boy, he is. And uh, Debbie, Just like his, his aunt. Dad, the more Chad grows up, essentially, yes. the more it's like, like his daddy yes, is. Yes, he is. It's fantastic. And, and just love that family. But I just wanted, I just wanted to say that. Yeah. And, and you know, it's interesting, too, that uh, one of the things about Jeff is similar to what, what, about Rick. I don't know whether it's just the way you guys are put together or what it is. Rick doesn't like to be on the phone. Like, like he doesn't, like when we, we do interviews at the old station, whatever, he'd want to call in. He wanted to come into the studio. And Jeff yeah. Hansen was, exa- Jeff Han- he, I'd say, well, Jeff, um, we'll have you on at 7.30. And Jeff would arrive at 6.30 in the morning and just sit around and talk <laughs> and do whatever, have coffee, yep. talk to everybody in the hallway and do whatever. So you guys like that. Yeah. You guys like that personal presence thing. Yeah. And that's, that's important. I mean, Jeff that's- was old school. He, he got relationships better than just about anybody I know besides my father. Yeah. And uh, it's all about relationships. He wanted to be there. He wanted to experience everything. Yeah. You know, when, like you said, he wanted to be in the studio to be with you and experience that. And yeah, he was one of the people that that you know all this all this social media and stuff. He wouldn't be doing well no. with that, I don't think, because you can <laughs> no. hide behind it. Right, exactly. And he was an upfront type of human being. He, Just yeah, great guy, definitely was. And you know, it's uh, to to give an impact to Phil about how Jeff affected our lives is that um, kind of like you know when you when your if your father passes away or somebody important to you passes away and it might be a certain time of year or a certain weather or whatever it happens to be you're always reminded and and when when this may turns to june time comes around every year since jeff's passing not a day goes in that whole realm because that yeah. that was around this time that jeff passed away died in that in his in his with his dog and he just yeah. uh, Great guy. He loved flying and loved loved you know loved what he did and yes, and, he did. and, he did. and he never loved, he loved to fly. He yeah. absolutely loved it. Uh, it was a beautiful but, day like yesterday. I don't know what it's like out today, but it was a beautiful day like yesterday. Yeah. You know, where you, you had some pop up storms, but generally it was like a beautiful, nice yeah. May June type of vibe there. Yeah. So had he known that was coming, he wouldn't have gone up in the air. But it was one of those things where the storms just come out of nowhere, and and it's just one of those things that 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 go along. But my wife and I. Uh, flew with uh, Jeff and Shelley to Branson one time in, in, in that plane. Yeah. Um, that was a neat experience. We, did I tell you that story? We, no. We're flying, and I've never been in a small plane like that. So we're <laughs> flying along, and, uh, you know, Jeff's flying along, doing his thing, talking to everybody. You know, and he, that's the other thing. He's on the, he's on the radio helping people find other planes, right. helping the towers find planes. So we get to Branson, and you see the runway over here, and he goes, okay, Rick, and there's, you know, there's two, <laughs> two steering wheels in there. Of course, mine's moving with his, and I'm not touching it. Well, we get up to the to the uh, Branson uh, um, water tower, and he goes, "Okay, Rick, you take it, you turn us around, and line us up on that runway." I said, "What?" He goes, "Just line us up." So I grabbed it, and I turned it. I didn't turn it quarter inch, and that whole plane went. <laughs> so I got it lined up on the runway, and as soon as I was square, because he he doesn't take no for an answer. No. And as soon as I squared up on that runway, I let go, and I said, "I'm out." And he yeah. Was laughing. But, yeah. Uh, what a, what a great guy. I really miss him. I'm no jealous doubt. of you guys knowing somebody like that that obviously put such an uh, impression on you guys. That's Oh, absolutely. I, I, I really love meeting people like that, that are capable of doing that yeah. to people. To yeah. teach you about personal relationships and taking chances, you know, I'm talking about innovation in business, that kind of thing, 
That's what he did. Yeah. I think right before he died, they started this whole recycling center. I can't even remember what it was. Is it still around? That uh, whole... Well, it's, it's uh, Hansen's Raz is what they, is okay. what they started, yeah. which is recycled asphalt shingles. Yeah. Uh, but that's the thing. See, Jeff, what drew me to Jeff, and some people, you just draw into him. What drew me to Jeff was he was fearless. Mm-hmm. He would see something, and if there was an opportun- if he could see an opportunity in, in it, he was on it. Right and he saw us recycling shingles, and then he knew the people over at Fred Weber, and, and he started talking to them, and, and he goes, huh, he goes, I ought to do this. Yeah. I ought to get into this. Yeah. Next thing you know, we're sending our shingles to him. You know, And he has this great operation. He's got some friends out of, out of uh, uh, Chicago, and it, just, it was just phen- phenomenal. But, yeah, yeah he, I loved being around him because he always saw the opportunity, when, even, when thing, even when I was down about something, he, he saw the opportunity in it. You know, he one time took me around to his area, his composting area, where they do the, all the the uh, mulch and, and that his kind eyes of thing. just light up. Oh yeah, he he. I've never seen a guy. It was basically <laughs> taking me a tour, on a tour of basically what was a was a dump, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he goes, he goes right over there is a, a the, is the drywall. We recycle drywall. It's the first time I learned ever in my life that drywall was made of gypsum and yep. you can recycle it and blah blah blah. And by the way, the Hanson's mulch is. Oh yeah! If you need mulch, baby, Hanson's yeah. tree is a place. Hanson's, to go. Hanson's mulch is great. That uh, that uh, soil, that topsoil. Yeah, made. man. You call it the magic bean. Yep. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. I heard that in a while. The yeah. magic stuff bean. likes to grow in that stuff. <laughs> it does. It's a man. That's what. That's what has. That's what has the recycled uh, yeah. drywall in it. Oh and he yeah, totally man. Got it. And what, like when he when he got into that, I guarantee you, he researched everything. He knew everything there was to know about that process. Yeah. There wasn't anybody else. Anywhere that knew more than he did about that process, and that's how he worked. That's how he for a while there, Scotts was like, "Hey, um, can we? Uh, we wouldn't mind buying your magic bean if you." Uh, but yeah, it was it was it was great. Yeah. Magic bean. I, I almost I almost forgot yeah. all about that. Also, by the way, Rick's kind of the kind of guy. I don't know. I don't know how many times I've called you just out of the blue to see if you knew somebody who does this or know somebody who does that. Because I always know Rick knows some. Somebody. He's yeah. the guy who always knows somebody. Yeah. So yesterday, I, I texted him, or was the day before, uh, because I, I realized I have the... Uh, Billy Bush was kind enough to present us with just a boatload of crafting beer, right? Which is phenomenal. It's the only beer. It's, that's the real St. Louis beer now. No doubt. It's, and, and, and we God have, bless him. We're glad to have a Bush brewing beer you uh, in St. Louis. So anyway, and, and you got to have a wristband. We get, legally, we got to get a wristband, charge you a couple bucks, and then you can have the beer. But, but nonetheless, uh, so I realized I'm going to go pick up the beer, and and I, I I'm gonna and I realized I didn't have a place to put the beer once I take it to Discovery Design. We've got that covered. So. Yeah, yeah. And then I realized, oh, you know what? There's no way I'm going to go to Schnucks and just buy 700 bags of ice. I got to find somebody who can basically. Give me like ice in bulk. So I call Rick because I know Rick probably knows somebody like that, and of yep. course, then he knows somebody who knows somebody who is the ice person. So it's ice, ice, baby, all the way. So that's actually, it's April, our office manager. April, <laughs> and she's listening, I think. So April, you Hi, need April. to give uh, you need to give uh, Jamie a call. Yeah, we'll we'll take care of it. But anyway, it's going to be a fun time out there. The weather's supposed to be absolutely beautiful. And the environment out there, I'll never forget, you know, when, when Rick told me about when you sh- first showed me the place. And it was an old 
uh, warehouse, like a what was it? It was a flea market. Flea market, and they built the building to look like a circus tent, and it was the (laughs) ugliest thing you've ever seen in your life. (laughs) Just because of the way it was built. Is yeah. this visible from 70? Yeah. Yes. I know where this is. Yeah. Everybody knows. Uh-huh. Know All you got to say is now. the ugly circus tent uh-huh. building. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. But that building, the thing is, when you get inside of it, it's a beautiful, well-built steel building. They yeah. just made it ugly on the outside. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we, we spent a lot of money and really made it, made it nice. Yeah. So, so it's going to be a ton of fun. So people can take some tours and just kind of check it out. So, But yep. we've got our food trucks out there. We've got beer and beverages. We've got the Naputi Pediatrics uh, Children's Area out there. So, oh, I'm going in the Bounce House, just so we're clear. There's Brody, slides, you know, too, face painted, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. out there. He'll be there. <laughs> yeah, and then we've also got music. Phil's going to be spinning records for us out there. Awesome. We'll, yeah. we'll have your stage all set up. You'll be on one of our Discovery Design trailers, so that'll be your stage. Hey, where am I going to park my Porsche? It was going to be behind me. Is that still going to work? They're going to lift it up on a crane. Can you get that? It lift it up on. Okay. We can do that. Okay. We, you sure it's you don't just... want it wrapped? <laughs> <laughs> no, I th- just I think s- about it. We could, we, you know, we could do that. Uh, this is tempting. Actually. I seem to remember seeing you on Facebook or doing something, but you do karaoke, don't you? Don't you do like? Aren't you like a Def Leppard guy or something like that? Ooh. I I am the best singer in the world in my car by myself. Okay. Well, but I'm not much of a karaoke guy. Okay. Well, we'll see. Because we might, we'll see. we'll see. We'll get Rick up. I might need some backup. <laughs> we'll see. So it's going to be a ton of fun. So we also have uh, all the Doug Giles out there, who's going to have all of his books out there. And uh, by the way, you know what? Here, I have the books here. I, 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 it depends on what you want. What you want? I'm going to give you these books. Don't tell Doug. Don't nice. tell him you bought them. But I'm I definitely want Pussification. Yeah, here, Pussification for you right there. <laughs> Thank you. You like you like this one too, Rules for Radical Christians. Oh yeah, you like that one? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And uh, you well, sure you want to give me? You don't have to give me these. I'm giving them to you. Okay. You're come on. You're sponsoring my studio, okay. and you're hosting <laughs> us at your place, and I'm giving you two. Okay. Yeah, I'm very ten dollar books. Thank you very much. I mean, no, I'm thank you, buddy. Now you do you have girls? You don't have girls, so you don't I have, have one any. girl right in the middle. Then then raise a righteous and rowdy <laughs> <Okay>. girl. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, my friend. Here, you want a book about Coolidge? You want to here? <laughs> Take everything I own, Rick Poe, because you're—I really appreciate your support, dude. You're you bet. just a great friend, and Arrowhead Building Supply, great operation. Uh, but Discovery Design is growing, just like we are. So we're kind of—that's what we have in common—is we're two growing businesses. You bet. Right? I'm telling so. you, if, if anybody out there, if you have, if you're looking for a truck bed, it doesn't matter which side, size. We're kind of like uh, you know, Wendy's was always the made-to-order burger place. You know, you have other manufacturers out there that crank out all these truck beds and they pile them up in, in dealerships and stuff. We build everything custom. Everything is built and made to order. So you can do anything you want on these truck beds. And you don't have to wait forever for them. We can build a truck bed in, you know, a couple weeks. So just give us a call. Uh, uh, DiscoveryDesignInc.com is our website. Okay. We just got our brand new website up, and it's absolutely beautiful. It's phenomenal. Toby and Ryan, our marketing people, did a great job. So, hmm. yeah, go there, contact us. Any any kind of diesel engine repair. Matt just told me out there he needs some he needs some work done on his on his diesel engine. So we're going to hook him up with Brian. Or and so Quentin Glassdetter. Quentin is our general manager. Uh-huh. Runs the the business for us. And then Brian Fields is kind of like his number two guy. He he runs the service department. So he runs all the mechanical stuff. Wow, so, that's great. You have people from all over the country, though. You were telling me that there's a major yeah. truck company that just came to you from, where was it? Well, on the, on the manufacturing yeah. side, we build these, these delivery systems. And it can be a flatbed with a forklift, or it can be a flatbed with a roofing conveyor. Mm-hmm. We built, like right now, we're starting on one. We're waiting on a Mack truck to arrive from uh, uh, our customers in uh, Yakima, Washington. 
you know, Washington State. Yeah, yeah. And it's through our, our, our buying group called Nimeon. We have 160 members in there that are all like, kind of like Arrowhead type businesses. So we're build, we build these things for everybody. Right. And we ship right. them all over the country. Wow. So pretty, all they do, they can send us the chassis, the, the new truck, just, just the chassis, or we can buy it for them and put it all together for them, send it to them. So we, do, we literally do, we even have an auto technician there. So if you have a car and you need work done in your car, we can do that. Wow. How's the Trump economy treating you? Very well. Uh, very well. I, uh, I pray for him every night, and uh, I thank my lucky stars every day yeah. because it's so funny. I'm glad you brought up the political side. I watch all this stuff unfold, and I was listening to the clip you played of that. Uh, what's her name? Uh, April Ryan. April. Yeah. And I watched that clip last night, and, and what they're doing is they've, they've, when they lose control of the narrative, they try and change it. <laughs> yes. You know, yeah. it yeah. wasn't about police shootings. <laughs> no. Okay. No. No. But that's the, but they don't like where that's going. They see it's it's going south, so they change try to change the narrative. And of course, all the media, you know, what do you have to do to control a society? What's the what do they say? You got to control the media. You got to control education and the healthcare system. Well, they were on their way. They were well on their way. In 2010, they they got Obamacare passed, mm -hmm. which is what one fifth of the economy or yeah. something. Yeah. They were on their way to control completely controlling all three. And the whole cart got turned over. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't know what to do. Right. And, and it and is they, so fun to watch. And they hate the fact <laughs> that a predominant part of the Trump economy and the Trump administration is basically undoing the damage yes. that was done by the Obama administration. And I always maintained that a lot of small businesses, I mean, to be a small business person in America is hugely difficult. The regulations, that, that kind of environment, the tax environments, everything else. And so a lot of small businesses, at least that succeeded for the past eight years, and you guys definitely did. You grew, but it was in spite of the government, not because of it. Now the government actually is assisting, not in terms of giving them something, but in terms of staying out of the way. And that's been a big deal for you guys. Absolutely has. And, you know, I'm not afraid of the, the term trickle-down because it yeah. works. Mm -hmm. I get sick of – I listen to these people say a trickle-down. Supposedly it's going to trickle-down. <laughs> I got news for you. Is trickle-down is – is that, does that theory say that we save money on taxes, therefore we reinvest that money in our business, and then more money is spent, mm -hmm. and more money eventually gets to the end user, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, that happens. So yes. trickle-down is a real so thing. It. Right. right. It is a real thing, mm -hmm. and it works. It's mm -hmm. just – what makes me so, what really gets me upset is it's common sense. And they take, you can watch this stuff unfold and, and to, to even to stand and debate whether or not that happens. Yeah. It's to me silly and it's a waste of time. Mm -hmm. It happens. It happens every day. Look at the economy. I mean, we've added, what, $6 trillion to the, right. to the right. economy since, since Trump was elected. Look at why that happened. With all this negative press and all the hate coming at him mm -hmm. every day, I don't know why he does it. Yeah. I, 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 the guy loves his country. Uh, I believe oh, it. Absolutely. I think he said, I, I've got grandkids. I've got everything I've ever wanted. Mm -hmm. I want to I I save this country. Yeah. And you people got laugh to. when you say that. Yeah. I believe it. you got to, to put up with the kind of crap that he's put up with. Yep. And one of the great uh, examples, too, Phil, that I've talked about with Rick and, and all the small business I deal with, it seems, is that there's this myth somehow that when they do corporate tax cuts or, or business tax cuts that the business owners are going to turn around and just buy another car or another boat right. or another this or, or another that. Or stick it in the safe right. or some yeah, nonsense. Yeah. And, what, yeah, and what proof in the pudding here is what, what you guys do when you have extra cash, you either will hire somebody 
or uh, buy another piece of equipment or do whatever. I mean, if you look at the growth of Arrowhead and then uh, Discovery Design and, and then as you guys you keep expanding everything else, you guys are putting the money you're making. And that's what, that's what small businesses, most of them do because it's a smart thing to do, you first bet. of all, mm-hmm. is you're putting the money you're making or saving back into your business. Yes. The benefits come later. You don't yes. worry about the benefits. You get your salary. You worry about the benefits later. Right now, it's all about growth. Businesses yearn to grow and become better and bigger and stronger. All the government has to do is enable us to do that, is to, to you know, remove the chains. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, government needs to be involved to a degree. But, you know, just give us, give us a fair shot. Give everybody an equal shot. Remove the chains. Let us go. And right that's on. what Trump – Trump totally gets it. Yep. I mean, he totally gets it. A businessman in the White House yeah. is, the, is the revolution, really. That's yes. where it's – And his foreign saying. policy. I'm mm-hmm. having a blast yeah. watching him toy <laughs> mm-hmm. around. Yeah. With North Korea. Yeah. And the, you hear the liberals like, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. They're laughing at him. No, they're not. Oh, he's emboldening, <laughs> Kim's going, what he's he emboldening doing now? Poland and Italy. He's emboldening other countries to stand up against what's happening. There. Everything is a Trump effect. Yes. And we're going to, history will treat him very well. Yeah. I made a post the other day, and what he's trying to do, in my opinion, he's just trying to get that trade deficit. He's trying to erase that trade deficit. Mm-hmm. So you start, it's like any good negotiator, you start here wanting to get here. Mm hmm. And he'll get there. You, you just, you, we know it. He'll get there. He'll get there with Mexico. And that's the other thing. I'll say the last thing I'll say. The border wall. What is it, $30 billion or something yeah, they need? Yeah. Everybody's, oh, where are we going to get that? What, what's our trade deficit, $95 billion? <laughs> In my opinion, if he gets that to 50 he paid for the wall. Right, right on. It's Absolutely. not, it's not mm-hmm. difficult. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, there are the deals. It's not unlike what you have to do with people when you want to do something uh, that is uh, one step ahead. Uh, yep. You're gonna ask. You're gonna ask Jerry for the for the roof, and then maybe you'll get you know half of that, and you're still on your He's way. He's listening. Don't tell him my the art, the art, of the, art deal. of the deal. Don't, don't leave the whole the thing deal. out. Now the only <laughs> thing is, and I've always said I wanted to grow up and be just like Rick Pogue, but the only <laughs> thing I didn't do uh, that uh, that is a great emblem of the kind of go big or stay home attitude of these guys is that I know I gave you the hat. And I know probably by your standards, it's kind of ghetto because it has that strap in the back. It's oh, not a plastic strap. Arrowhead, when they have their hats, they're <laughs> fitted hats, dude. What up, man? Yeah. They're fitted hats. Wow. Yeah. Like wow. You, like you, 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 I know, I'm, having now purchased hats before, mm-hmm. I know what a fitted hat is all about. Yeah, there's, they're on a different price level. <laughs> but all of our President Trump hats are all fitted hats. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. We don't settle for anything less. <laughs> no doubt about it. And that's what's great about you. So anyway, we're going to be out there uh, Saturday from 12 to 6 for the Warrior and Wildman Radio Free Allman uh, Throwdown Palooza right there at Discovery Design. It's going to be a ton of fun. Yeah. It's right there at uh, 4892, the North Service Road. You can see it from the, from the highway. Really easy to get to. Uh, and Yeah, for those who fun. don't know where that ugly uh, tent, circus tent, metal building, flea market thing used to be, there's a brand new strip mall they just built at Mid Rivers and 70. Uh, at the end of that strip mall, there's a CarMax. We're literally next door to CarMax. I mean, it's it's tar- it's hard to miss. I mean, the, the building sits way back because we're getting ready to build a new Arrowhead in front of it. But our parking lot, you can land a plane in our parking lot. Yeah. So just you'll see you'll see you'll see the big uh, uh, veterans truck with a flag. You won't right. miss it. You won't miss the entrance. Oh, I forgot about that. Speaking of Arrowhead, so uh, and entrances. So they, in order to in the past, in order to get <laughs> to them, you had to go through an industrial court. Uh, of sorts, you know, you know how that is. Yep. And so it took uh, five minutes to get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. Rick and these guys are going. You know what? Uh, we're kind of we're we're tired of it. We know our customers are probably tired of it. So we're just going to go ahead and build a road 
our own road that goes right to the place, and you did. Yeah, and they love it. Customers love it. Oh, yeah. Well, we knew we wouldn't be moving for at least a year, so we, we decided to go ahead and invest the money and uh, wow. get, you know, for at least a year let our customers. And it was a big investment. Yeah, I bet. But we let our customers. Now they can drive right up off of Salt River, and they're there. There's no, you know, if the train was coming, you're sitting at the railroad tracks in the park. Uh, tractor trailers, oh. you're always sitting behind them. They don't have to do that anymore. They yeah. pop right in the entrance. So that did, you, did you say 14 acres? We got 14 acres. 14 acres. Right on I said it's it was uh yeah. It wow. was uh God God made that happen because <laughs> we looked for land on I-70 for about 3 years. And we were like, man, you just can't find anything for a decent price and then boom, this this happened. Wow. So so you think when, when Obama said, you didn't build that, somebody else made that He's happen. full of crap. If you said, <laughs> if you right. said if, I know he didn't mean God made that happen, though. I know that. No. He didn't he, think the other guy was God. Yeah. Well, in his mind, in his mind, the government made that happen. Yeah. That's, that's the first thing he was thinking, in my opinion. Oh, ab- ab- absolutely. Those people, you know, the, the, the liberal socialist, which the more that party, the more the Democrat Party goes left, I think the better off we are. Because it just shows their lunacy. I, uh, did, I don't know if you saw the uh, the, the CEO of uh, Starbucks now is lashing out against the Democrat Party because they're too far left. It's the guy that's stepping down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now wow, he's, I didn't he's hear that. The I'll Democrat look that Party because they're too far to left. <laughs> well, you know, and, so. well, he's also been stung by you know you know they came up with this seminar. What thing that cost? I wonder. Oh, oh diversity training. They shut down them all. Yeah, and it was it was you know I yeah. part he of me feels sorry for him. You know, part of me feels sorry for them because their their wheelhouse is the lib community, yeah. the lib nut community. That's yeah. their wheelhouse. They pay four bucks for yeah. That's what we call and it four bucks. So he can't he can't <laughs> aggravate seventy percent of his clientele. So right. he's, he was in a tough spot. So yeah, yeah. But you know, the CarMax thing. I was curious about this. Uh, the the CarMax deal. That's they sell cars, correct? They, they sell cars. Okay. Uh, where where were they going to put that car vending? Uh, operation. Did I don't see? know. I heard about that. I don't know where they were going to put that. Did you, but I did, did hear about it, like a big vending machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was, I, I heard about that. <laughs> Apparently, it was it was kind of uh, yeah. Wasn't that Chesterfield? I thought that was I thought so. I don't know. I was just curious but, about. Yeah, that. it was like a big vending machine, and your car would come out. <laughs> I'm sitting here going, huh, "We could build that." <laughs> yeah, I bet you <laughs> could. That, I bet you, you would, that, buddy. That. Yeah. You God bless you guys. That. You got a great thing going here. Thanks, I think brother. it's fantastic, and I think. This time next year, it's going to be a, a monster. Thank you I for really the do. beautiful Discovery Design Studio as you well, bet. buddy, because this is uh, great, and we appreciate, so appreciate your support, man. Always. The, you are the best. Always, my friend. And you bet. Say hi to Jerry and the gang out there, and then we'll see you on Saturday. And, now, and by the way, again, I'm, I'm serious. If you and Heather want to come out to the MAC Friday, and, and it's got to be a date night because you're going to be busy that Saturday. If you yep. do want to come out to the MAC, I, I'll, I'll get you dinner out there. So Okay, so I appreciate nice it, man. You get your book signed. And have dinner, and you're there. I will. I will try and make that happen. Okay. Thank you very much, my friend. All right, Thanks buddy. A Thanks a lot. Good to meet you, man. Rick Pope. You finally. I'm so glad, man. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's... Good to meet you. You have a great radio voice. It's like you're in a band or something. <laughs> <laughs> He's a singer. He's Thank a singer you very too. Much. Yeah. I appreciate it. Oh, really? Too. We were talking earlier yeah, awesome. about his voice because the he was um, he, he he when he sings he doesn't sing right up to the microphone. Oh my God, no! So it's hard for him to get <laughs> yeah. right up to the microphone and talk and and speaking. I'm adjusting. But well, you singing. can tell he has a very powerful voice. Oh yeah, yeah. it'd probably yeah. blow the speakers. I have to stand back when I sing because yeah. engineers will. So <laughs> I could be your backup Saturday. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, do you know uh, Charlie Rich? Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just. Kidding. Well, no. Here's a, I do Char- know Charlie. I don't know him personally, but right. I do know him. But here's the thing: Charlie Rich is great. But but uh, Phil was talking about how he had no country music on his list of seventy seven songs. And I said, "Dude, you got to have some country music." 
And then he said, well, I have Charlie Rich. I go, okay, yeah, but you got to have other. I can help you with that. Please, somebody, somebody, somebody please help me and tell me what you want with country. I, I'll send you a list. I'll just send you a list. I mean, I, I I grew up on that stuff. I love music. I love all. Is this gonna be like boot scoot and boogie? No, we're gonna need some Jason Aldean. We're gonna need some Derek Bentley. We're gonna need some Kenny Chesney. We're gonna hear some of that. Luke Bryan. Luke Bryan. There's some. There's some good stuff. Yeah, you need some. You need some. I've been listening to this uh, station called um, Prime Country. You know, and 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 that's where you're getting some Garth Brooks, and you're getting some really good bands. what? No, but trust us that you're looking for you're looking for rocking rockin country, and we know yeah. what that is. Yeah, I mean, you, it, it will not be boot scootin' boogie. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's a little bit of bro country you can you can okay. push in there a little yeah. bit, but but Garth is all, Randy Travis are playing some Randy Travis yep. up there too, and and Nine Killer. I know you laughed about Garth Brooks. Do you realize that Garth Brooks is the number one album seller? In the history of the world, you realize that. I definitely understand that. Okay, I just want to let you know. Yeah, that is absolutely. He had like a ten year, ten year period there where he was he was just a god. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah, then he changed his uh, persona. Remember that the second uh, oh that I think that kind of brought the end quicker a little little bit. bit. Yeah, but still that was just goofy. The older stuff is still (laughs) right. Still, was it uh, Reigns? Chris Gaines. Chris Gaines. Chris Gaines. That was weird. Oh, yeah, we had fun with that. All right, so what's the website? Discovery Design Inc. DiscoveryDesignInc.com. Dot com. All and right. it is spectacular. Right on the homepage, big picture of our veterans truck. All that's, right. That's right on the homepage. Love it. And you can really navigate that thing. Like I said, Toby, our digital marketer, and Ryan helped her. She worked for weeks and weeks on this thing with the web designer, and it is it's phenomenal. It's yeah. very user friendly. Everything's color coordinated. Yeah. So it's very, very cool. It's like it's I've never been to a shop where you're doing all this industrial stuff. I don't know how you guys keep it as clean as it is. There's nothing like it. it you know, it's 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 tough. It's not. I, mean, I <laughs> well, know. Right now, as we speak, we've got uh, uh, two dump trucks in there and a tractor in there, and the engines are all tore down. I mean, you get you get oils on the ground, and they do a good job of keeping it clean. Yeah. And and uh, they 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 do they do nice housekeeping there. But it's awesome to be busy. We are super busy. I can't wait good to see what, what it's like out there. Just because I like yeah. that. But our stuff. thing, our specialty, uh, just so everyone knows. We're not looking. We're not after the big f- giant fleet people. There are tons of independent truck drivers out there that have one truck, maybe mm-hmm. two trucks, five trucks. But the guy that the guy that d- drives a dump truck every day, a good a good friend of mine that I actually met uh, not too long ago, uh, James Stryler, Stryler truck went, went to high school together, Stryler hauling. He brought his truck in, and we did a, a, a an engine job on him, and. He's tickled pink, and he tells five of his friends. And then one of those friends tell five of their friends, we want to take care of the small, independent people. Yeah. That's our wheelhouse. Because at the other truck centers, they're treated like crap. Mm-hmm. They're just, they're, they're, they're star. And it's very similar to what goes on in Arrowhead. you got the giant roofers, okay? Mm-hmm. And you've got the little guys who get treated differently when they go into suppliers. We treat them all the same. And that's what we do with Discover Design. All right, brother. Well, thank you so much for supporting us. Always. And uh, we love supporting you, too. So it's one big happy family. Rick Pogue, uh, not only Air Hill Business Supply, but also uh, DiscoveryDesignInc.com. We'll see you out there Saturday, brother. Thanks you for bet. hosting us. It's going to be fun. All right, man. We'll see you. Yes. Making trucks great again. <laughs> DiscoveryDesignInc.com. Thanks, man.
Got all that country music down now, dude. Do you, buddy? Yep. Yep. Okay. Go home and start listening and get get ready. You know what I mean? I think when you're out in St. Peter's, you kind of got to... Got to roll with it? Got to do a little bit of that. Okay. Okay. I can adapt for a day. I'll go buy a cowboy hat. 
Cowboys. You should. I might. You look good in a cowboy hat. Yeah. I want to leave my hair down and look like some extra from Urban Cowboy. There we go. Play some of this. Some Don Ho? What are we talking about? Don Ho? It sounded like a ukulele. I'm sorry. How's about cooking something up with me? Man, you just call it Hank Williams Sr. Don Ho. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to live that one down for a while. Don Ho. (laughs) Who's that, Don Ho? Mecca, 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 hi, whatever that sounds like. That's a good one, Don Ho. How's about cooking something up with me? <clears throat> Polynesian, <laughs> Polynesian legend, Don Ho. I yeah, say. I know who Don Ho I is. Know, I know you do. Did you, um, don't you, think you, know, you don't like his voice? You kind of cringe a little bit when Hank Williams Sr. was kicking there. This particular track is, it's, a, it's okay. I like it. I mean, I like it. It feels, it feels good. Break down his voice, then. Is there, is there, like, what is it that made you cringe a little bit? I'm not saying you're putting up, pe- people don't, uh, he's not putting him Bo down. But, uh, this is his dad, right? This is Hank Williams Jr.'s dad we're listening to. Yes, right Hank now. Williams Sr., yes. Right. Um, boop, boop. Yeah, it's, I've never really listened to Hank Williams Sr. Well, what much. is that, though? Is there a problem with that? No. No, I enjoy it. I'm enjoying it now. No, I'm, not, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to like razz you. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm wondering if, like, if, like, it was never a really polished uh, voice necessarily. It was kind of like more of a. This, this Don Ho. <laughs> it's a great song too. I try so hard, my dear, to show. That you were my every dream. You know, I went to um, go down to Florida, the Gulf Coast, for vacation every June. And would always pass through before they built a new highway, before they built a new road. I, we would go through a, an area to get to Florida from Alabama. So you'd get off of the highway there, and you would then go through these windy roads to then get down through across the state line of Florida and then you go into the Gulf Coast Gulf area side. there. But so but you'd get off of the, the Alabama highway there, right past Montgomery. And there's a little town called Georgiana. And it is the birthplace of Hank Williams Senior. And one of the things you notice when you go through Georgiana is you see a lot of poor people. You see a lot of poor black people and poor white people there. And I always, I always see Hank Williams Jr.'s home, birthplace, but I always wanted to go there. But, you know, every you're on your way to vacation, you never had time to stop, stop, you know. Uh, but you always want, I always wanted to, because I always wanted to go to Hank Williams Jr.'s house, or Hank Williams Sr.'s house. And so one time, finally, I did do it. We did do it. I, I uh, t- took the got, got off the road there, uh, Georgiana, and uh, tra- I just took a little windy road there to right there to Hank Williams Senior's house. 
which still exists today as kind of a museum. Yeah. It was uh, closed. I couldn't get in at the time because it was just, I, I don't know what it was like, past the, I don't know, it was a Sunday or something like that. But it's right there in a little old claptrap house where Hank Williams Sr. was and lived. And if you looked at a lot of his uh, his songs, he learned to sing and play music in black churches. Mm-hmm. And a lot of his music and even to somewhat of his, some of his singing style and writing style, he learned as a young man in black churches mm-hmm. in Georgiana, which was, which was oddly enough, and that's another... That's another uh, story for a, a later time. A segregated, but uh, but I'll tell you, Alabama. Yeah. You go to Montgomery or you go to Birmingham, or for that matter, even Atlanta. The South is the least segregated part of our country you're ever going to find. Like in St. Louis, you got black people live in one place and white people live in another place. Rarely is there, you, you can go to an Applebee's in St. Louis and never see a black person, or you can go to an Applebee's in St. Louis and see only black people. Mm-hmm. It's just, that's, th- that's what it's like in St. Louis. And most people like. from places like Atlanta, Alabama, they come up here, they're going, man, this is one of the most segregated cities I've ever seen in my life, because it is. And down there, though, it's everybody's, and, and uh, again, ironically enough, in the South of all places where you'd think, you know, where there was so much civil rights strife and everything else, you'd think in the slavery, you'd think that it was more segregated, but, it, but, but it's the, some of the least segregated places you're going to find. Wow. Atlanta in particular is like that, and Montgomery and Birmingham are like that too. And, and, and for that matter, Georgiana, which is right off of the highway there near Montgomery, uh, that's Hank Williams Sr., one of the whitest of the Whiteytons, yeah. learned yeah. to sing and play in black churches. I don't know. I didn't know that. <clears throat> I, did you look, grow up listening to him because your dad listened to him? Was that one of the things you had playing in the truck or the car? Uh, well, or no. My dad was more of a uh, – my dad did – Listened to some country music, but uh, but Buck Owens was his guy. Oh, there you go. Now we're talking. And 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 and, and that was where I first learned from my dad about the difference between Nashville country music and the, the Nashville sound mm-hmm. and the Bakersfield sound. Mm-hmm. And yep. Buck Owens was more of the Bakersfield sound. So Buck Owens would be, and I didn't, at the time didn't even know there's a difference. And I think most people don't even actually know. Uh, that there's there's a difference, and the reality is there is because the music style is just a tad bit different. It's it, and and that's where you're gonna find you know. Gonna put me in the movie. That's where you're gonna find more of the uh, flashy, rhinestoney, and a little bit of, uh, more of a rockabilly type of Absolutely. country music yep. than Nashville. Which was a little more, which was a little more twangy. Uh-huh. And what's interesting too, I, lo- I love Buck Owens, and I used to love watching him on Hee Haw. Mm-hmm. And Roy Clark was more of a Nashville. It was interesting because Roy Clark was more of a Nashville country guy, and Buck Owens was more of a Bakersfield sound guy, and the two were, were meshed together beautifully. Yeah. I love Buck Owens and the, the, the players that they were is what I appreciated more than just the 
the style of the of the, the music, but just the, the player, just like Glenn Campbell, and you realize how, yeah. how talented they actually were. It wasn't just about the country. But you're right with the Buck Owens thing. He would be the one wearing the, the sequins, and all of his guitars mm-hmm. would be, mm-hmm. you know, just ivory this and duck down. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, so expensive, such good guitars. I've always wanted to get one of those red, white, and blue box yeah. guitars, yeah. but mm. they're not cheap. Yeah. But then... Uh, yeah, Roy Clark was much more just your your Nashville kind of uh, you know yep. sitting on a porch, kind of in the woods, kind of yeah. Also, an amazing player. I don't know if you ever saw the Odd Couple, the one, the episode of Neil's <laughs> the Odd Couple, yeah. But when he plays in the living room for them, and he, yeah, just surreal like moments in, in music history uh, of watching Buck play on on the Odd Couple. But I Roy Clark that. is was awesome, and and he I remember. Uh, it's Roy Clark and the Repairman. He used to do. Uh, he did car. He did uh, some auto parts uh, commercial. That's where I remember him too. He was all over the place, and, and Buck Owens was too. Mm-hmm. And who else did you mention there? In in there with your with Glenn your, Campbell. Glenn Campbell. My favorite that, of the, them all would be Glenn Campbell. Do you realize that Glenn Campbell? Well, first of all, he started out like as as he was one of the most in demand top session yeah. musicians. Yeah. Around, he's run Wrecking Crew. He was one of the one of the Wrecking Crew guys from Nashville. That that was the backup bands for almost every album you ever heard. He was on there, kind of like, you know, the way you know the way that he, he was just one of those guys that everybody needed to have on their album. When you called him, you knew it was going to be right. It was going to be perfect. And uh, but they called him the Wrecking and Dusty Springfield's band was the other the other group of guys. Yeah, but 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 but. Uh, yeah, he was one of the greatest musicians probably to ever live. He in, in played life. with the Beach Boys for yeah, crying out loud. Did. I mean, that that's that that guy was really sounds, amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it was incredible. You ever see? You ever hear? Uh, let me let me listen to this. I love this. Uh, have you ever heard the 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 Pet Sounds uh, tracking of "Wouldn't It Be Nice"? Listen to this. So. So, so in this, you have the Beach Boys, and they're trying to get, and Brian Wilson's trying to get the first, the beginning of Wouldn't It Be Nice? And so he's sitting there. I love this album, by the way, and, and if you, and especially since they do the stereo mix and the and the and the non stereo mixes of the uh, the the ones without the music and with mm-hmm, the music mm-hmm, on there. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the Wouldn't It Be Nice thing when when they begin the Wouldn't It Be Nice part. Uh, you, they have this whole thing where spiel where you're listening to Brian Wilson trying to get the beginning of that sound of that song, and they're and they're trying to get it right, you know. Here we go. Wouldn't it be nice? Take one. I want to do it. Take it. It's like this. He's trying desperately to get that drum part Boom. right at the right. right moment. He's trying to explain to them exactly what he wants, but he's not getting it. Boom. Two, three, four, five. Okay. First beat on the last bar of the intro. You'll go boom, two, three, four, five, five, and then start the song, right? Let's come in with those. Here we go. Come on. Take four. Oh, my God. 
That's close. Driving nuts. Oh, I thought she meant on to the verse. Oh, no. Play that oh, this is great. Okay, wouldn't it be nice? Five. Take five. <laughs> They're just doing the tracking right now. It's so cool to listen to this. Right? Yeah, I've heard the drums like that. Just uh, just like uh, doo 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 pickups, just like that. Just not none of those doo 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 doo. Brian Williams was a genius. Oh man, never more than just a doo 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 doo. Okay. Okay. Wow. There you go. All right, here we go. Timpani sounding. Wouldn't it be nice, take a Frankie on that part with a we we we. Just just play quarter notes with accordion. Okay. Finally got it right, man. With the So I'm trying to play this and apparently they just locked my Facebook down. Yeah, you and G just got you hard. Two dings in one minute. Two dings in one minute, dude. So we our face they just they brought our Facebook down. <clears throat> because of the Brian Williams, you think? No, because you because you confused Hank Williams with Don Ho. Oh man. So they got mad at you for that. Wow. They're, the whole music industry is outraged. Oh. So they decided they were gonna go after my uh Facebook feed. I'm sorry, man. I thought it was Don Ho. Uh, I shouldn't. Have, I shouldn't have let that go as long as I did because that that that's when their algorithms pick all the that robots, stuff up. Yeah, and then they 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 pick all that stuff up. So you're, you're a bad bad boy. Well, it's the second time uh, in about a week that's happened. So you want? Let me do you one one more piece of music trivia, and then we'll be done. Okay. Okay. 
Hold on a second. Here. I'm gonna get this one right. Uh, Doc Watson and myself. We we're back. Are we back? This is a tune that uh, Bill wrote. It's one called The Moonlight Waltz. Mm. I think I called it the right name there. Right. <laughs> Bill Monroe and Doc Watson. And uh, some people who have listened to my show before know this, but maybe you, maybe you missed it. I'm hoping that maybe other people have missed it too. So, you know... When they, when they talked about Bill Monroe, there's a documentary out there called the... Well, and, they, and they called his style the High Lonesome Sound. I think there's a documentary called the High Lonesome Sound, too. And Bill Monroe had that high voice. And you'd hear it. Let me just see if I can find it somewhere. And this Bill Monroe Doc Watson at one ounce of him singing here. Maybe this one will be picking and grinning right there. I know, right there with Doc Watson. Mm. But this next one is another one of Bill's, I think. Yeah, you won't be satisfied that way. (laughs) I love these titles. I know. (laughs) You'll never be satisfied with me. (laughs) This next song is called "Go Over There and Sit on the Couch." I'll bring you an iced tea. This next song is called Kiss My Ass and Fix My Truck. (laughs) But when I'm gone, Lord, to see you, you won't be satisfied. That's great. So, Bill Monroe hit that that high, lonesome sound they call where he had that high voice. Back in the Appalachia, where Bill Monroe is from, okay. and, and Appalachia being kind of like the reaches of Tennessee and Lower Hat, Kentucky, Hatfields and McCoys, Hatfield McCoys, that uh-huh. area there. Uh, back in the day, the women were mostly the musicians in the families, and and the women were the ones who really did. Um, also, most of the singing and everything else. And so, Bill Monroe's high lonesome sound, when he talked about where he got it, it was from his grandmother. So when you hear Bill Monroe sing, he's singing like his grandmother is. Grandmother's range. Yeah. One more little piece of music trivia for you. If you're here with the Leuven Brothers, they're like kind of like a more of a uh, like uh, they sang songs like about Sa- they're very religious most of, and they sang songs like about Satan and one time they sang about this was in 1962 when uh, when we first discovered the atop- the atom. 
like the atomic power. Do you fear this man's invention that they call atomic power? Are we all in great confusion? Do we know the time or When a terrible explosion may rain down upon our land, leaving horrible destruction, blotting out the works of man. Are you ready for that great atomic power? How in the hell do you know about this song? What is this? What is this? These are these are the Lubin Brothers, man. Protest song. Well, not really. They they were very religious and and they were fearful of well atomic power. I mean, they they were more and um. It was Ira and Charlie, and they mostly sung about, you know, love and religion. And I believe it was was Ira who wound up actually... Well, they had an album called Satan is Real, but Ira, just a little piece of trivia here is Charlie and Ira, one was high, one was low. You could tell, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ira was actually killed. Ira drank a little too much, apparently. And Ira was killed right there on Interstate 70 in Williamsburg, Missouri. Oh. Died on I 70. What years are we talking? Late 60s? Yep. Late 60s? Early 60s, 65. And Charlie went on to live, but yeah. Those are the kind of songs, and the one you played before it, that, that, that in the modern era, I just think of like a Tarantino flick where there's like people getting like, you know, sawed in half. And <laughs> this is the kind of stuff they, they <laughs> yeah, play. This spooky ass music. Right. This is what. Oh, they somebody's play. getting murdered. Right. There's, yeah. Was, that's what I think of when I hear these kinds of songs. Um, here, here's another one from uh, Oh no, here It's Don Hope You know who this is, right? In the That's Elvis It's Elvis no. It's Don Hope I knew it, okay Well, see what you did, man See, I'm, I'm playing all Actually, no, this is Hank Williams <laughs> That's Don Ho, man. I know. That's Don I Ho. Know me Don Ho. What up, Don Ho? I wonder if Don Ho Records is going to close our Facebook down. <laughs> if you could shut down for a Don Ho jam, it's this is yeah, that's something else. I would. Uh, that's a story right there. I bet you. I think they forgot to make an algorithm for Don Ho. We can that's play just, Don Ho all all that's day long. Racism in Polynesia. Catch it. Yeah, that's just racism. Oh, this is a good one, man. It's one of my, yeah. I only think of Don Ho because he was on Brady Bunch, and my sister liked him. She went to Hawaii for her high school graduation, and she came back with a couple Don Ho records. And... I can't believe you thought Hank. I just, I'm, am I, um, I think it's funny. Dude, hold on a second here. See? That's all right. That's a dog. Oh. <laughs> 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 
Oh man, it's sorry, bro. I'm not. I'm not. Deri- I'm not being derisive. I just okay. think it's funny. <laughs> well, all right, never mind. Oh, had enough of that. I think it's great that we got shut down again. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to be. I'm not trying to do anything illegal or anything, but they just don't like it when you're just playing other people's music. But I really was. I was playing it to. But, but you know how many. Al- you know how many Pet Sounds albums I just sold doing that. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what What are these people... That's the thing I don't understand, is what do these people think that we're doing when we're playing the music? Like, how many How many Colin Hay albums did I sell yesterday when I played Waiting for My Real Life yep. to Begin? Yeah. Now, there's an artist that would be a, approve of you using his... He would be irritated to think that someone prohibited you from just choosing his song and playing it he would prefer that that would happen rather than being shut down. And yeah, you know, he would prefer to. I mean, I understand that 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 you know, I I do believe in. Uh, you know, I do believe artists have a right to demand payment for your use of their music and their mm-hmm. art mm-hmm. for entertainment. So I get that, mm-hmm. which is why I buy you do on iTunes yeah. the this the stuff. Yeah. So, but so I understand that that like like uh, even though a while back we were talking about Napster, yeah. But but still, I understand that the artist's right to have uh, be to be compensated for yeah. what they do. So I, I get all that. Mm-hmm. But sometimes though, just playing it is mm-hmm. helpful to them. It is, it is, especially when it's a song that fell off the charts a while back, and you know, six thousand people or whatever get reminded of it all of a sudden, and then. 50 of them go buy it, you know? So you're actually you're actually helping a lot of artists by drawing attention to, you know... And the Don Ho family, I'm sure they probably appreciate it. Somewhere there's a... Somebody's buying a Don Ho album maybe today. That would be on you. I think that's awesome. Do you really think somebody's going out and buying a Don Ho album? I'm going to do Based it. Based on that? I'm going to do played? it. I'm going to do it. No. My, <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> And, and my people, I expect, will do it too, in, in reverence and respect for me and my, my. So you think? So you think the Ho family will thank me? All the Ho's will be thanking you. All the Ho's in St. Louis and and in Hawaii will love me for this. <clears throat> that did sound like a Don Ho album uh, record, though. I could prove that. I will bring in a corresponding Don Ho song that starts off like that, and you will see why I made that correlation. <laughs> You're gonna, you're I, uh, gonna, you're gonna find it if it's the last. Oh, thing I you will do. find me. I'll be going through Don Ho's an anthology tonight, right? Deeper Ho, you know, the yeah. deep Ho. The Hank Williams family is not gonna be happy. Mm. I'm sorry. All right, people. All right, all you Ho fans out there. It's the Ho Show. Fun today. for the Ho family. <laughs> the Ho family. Hey, by the way, the Ho family is invited to the Warrior and Wildman Radio Free Almond Throwdown Palooza. Okay, folks, it's Saturday right there at beautiful Discovery Design, Discovery Design, Inc. We're in the Discovery Design Studios, and so we're signing off from here. Friday night, MAC 538, the big Doug Giles book signing. I'll have him on the year probably tomorrow or Friday, one of those days. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Aloha.